Hello Nomads, and welcome to episode 25 of the Nomads of Fantasy podcast. I am your host for this evening, Eric Hunt, and you might be thinking, where the hell is Brandon? Um, Brandon is uh, dead to us. He, he banded us. He went to Florida. He's having a good time, and we're here recording this wonderful podcast. So, I'm just kidding, Brandon. Uh, we love you. I hope you're having fun in Florida, um, and I'll be stuck editing this one, so... If this sounds different than normal, you you might know why, because I'll be the one doing the editing, but don't worry, I'll make all of us sound great. Um, I have with me, as always, Dave. Hello, hello. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? It's <laughs> a good one. Nah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, and we also have some very special guests with us tonight. The hosts of the Best of the Rest podcast, Chris Logan. Hey, hey! Oh, wait, wait, I gotta do a line. Uh, why so serious? Mm-hmm. There you go. I love it. And Andrew Williams. Hey, I didn't realize there was a criteria for our intros, and I don't know what to say, guys. <laughs> I panicked. That's that's perfect. You nailed it. I love that movie that you're quoting, Andrew. It's it's a really good one. The guy that's confused. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to, I've never seen that one before. I'll have to watch that one. Highly recommended. <laughs> there, there is a reason that we asked you guys on to this episode, because um, we are talking about our top three favorite superhero movies, um, and you guys don't really get to talk about that all that often on your, on your show. No, we talk about superhero movies, but typically not our favorite ones. Typically, they're the ones... Uh, the rest of them, if you will, not the best of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, Chris, if people don't know what the best of the rest is, can you just give us a quick synopsis why people should uh, check you out? Yeah, for sure. So each week on Best of the Rest, we take a second look at a superhero movie that was poorly received upon release. But the thing is, we only talk about what works in the movie, only the positives, only what we like about it. So it's like a personal challenge to dig into these movies that were mostly critically panned and find nice things to say. So movies like Green Lantern, Batman and Robin, Daredevil, Hulk. We've covered all of these with plenty more to come. Turns out it's a very uh, fruitful area to dig into. Yeah, that barrel's pretty deep. <laughs> I, d- of, I imagine that. Some of those, even if they're crappy, like, I don't know. I've got, even Green Lantern holds a special place in my heart. It all depends on where you are and how you see it. Exactly. Yeah. I watch there's that one been, in, the labor, been... in the labor delivery room. So every time I think of Green Lantern, I think of babies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been wanting to do a superhero episode for a while. Um Brandon isn't as big of a superhero fan as Dave and I are. Even, I mean, even Dave, like, is way above me, but um, I'm definitely a fan as well. Uh, But, I mean, we've touched on superheroes before with episodes. Uh, We've done an episode on season one of Loki. Um, We did an episode on Invincible and My Hero Academia, but we've never really talked about movies, so we wanted to just pick some of our favorite superhero movies and just kind of gush about them say what we love about them and just be uh, overall positive. Um, but first, we usually start out with a section, a uh, catch-up section of what we've been playing or watching. Um, so I'll uh, let Dave kick it off here. Sure. Um, this week I didn't get a ton in, um, but I did get one of my favorite Halloween movies in. 
uh, watched the old Clue film from 1985. Oh. You and Clue, man. I got to watch it every year. Every, I saw it for the first time, I don't know, within the last five, ten years or whatever. And the movie just blew me away. I never saw it when it came out. It's basically based off of the board game. And, you know, you have a mansion with a body. And you got to kind of figure out who killed who. And kind of it goes from there. But this one's kind of like a dark comedy a bit. I don't know. I, I find it, you know... It's lighthearted enough where, you know, you can watch it with the kids and they don't get, you know, and some of the innuendo jokes or stuff like that. But uh, that one is a pretty fantastic movie. I I love that. Tim Curry is always great, right? It's a, it's yeah, a oh, great yeah. movie. It's better than it has any right to be because I think it's based on the <laughs> It game. really it's does. so good. It's when it comes to all games to movie adaptations, I don't think anything tops Clue. Like, yeah. genuinely, honestly. But young Christopher Lloyd in there is great, too. But I don't know. That one... Uh, yeah, it's become a, a must-watch Halloween movie um, in this household. So, uh, Besides that, really... You'll just, be disappointed, Dave. I still that? haven't watched it yet. Oh, really? That one's... No. I was like, Chris, you only saw Clue recently, too, right? Yeah, I think last year or something. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, very recently, but it's, I'm, it's... I'm the same. Like, Clue is a staple of my life at this point. Like, it's not just a... <laughs> It's a uh, Tim Curry at the at the top of his powers. Like it's just oh, I don't yeah. know if it's peak Tim Curry because he's got so many high points, but it is a uh, you know it's very good. Lots of <laughs> lots of lots of those in the movie. Get those good Tim Curry noises. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, let's see. Other than that, I haven't been playing too much. I started getting into the Fallout seventy six is having their Halloween stuff, so you can set up your camps and put out candy bowls for people to come and. You know, get weekly points from and stuff like that. Oh. Nothing too exciting there. It's you just, guys are getting uh, that. You guys are getting the Dave special here. Yeah, Fallout it, it creeps, up, creeps up here and there. Um, <laughs> mostly around uh, events because I've never really gotten to MMOs, so that's kind of the only one I've ever really dabbled in. Are you like a defender of Fallout seventy six, like since day one, or like has it gotten better? Are you on board with the patches and stuff? Uh, I've been playing it since day one. It was not good when it first came out. It was pretty rough <laughs> for a while. Yeah, it was a rough reception. I never played it, but I just heard nothing but good things about it. So yeah, good to know it, it's got a fan base out there, though. It's got it's been improved drastically in the two years that it's been out, though. So uh, I am defending it these days. Um, although there's not a ton to do once you finish like the main story, and it's kind of just a grind, just a grind. So it's more of a, a familiar, familiar old. Like like an old sweater at this point. It's just comfy to put on sometimes. Um, That's and then they put that on the box. They should re-release it with your quote. <laughs> it's like an old sweater. Ooh, triple it says. Yeah. Might get some more people to play it. I'd love it. Love it if the servers filled up a bit. Um, let's see. And the only other one we played really, uh, Eric and I played some Back for Blood, which came out mm-hmm. last week sometime. Uh, you guys familiar with Left for Dead? Familiar with it. These never are played it in my life, <laughs> but I've heard. I've I've never been an Xbox guy. I've just never had one, so I never had a means to play it. But uh, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like people are having a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. It's a, it's more Left for Dead, really. Um, the Valve game that came out a while ago, but you're basically zombie. I don't know. You're not zombie hunters, but you're just survivors, I guess, going from safe house to safe house. Just survivors, yep. And you're. Basically running missions, just trying to, you know, save some people, get back to a safe house, that kind of stuff. But the levels are dynamically generated, I guess, more than they used to be now, where, mm-hmm. you know, enemies will come 
differently. You get like the different, I don't know what they call them, uh, the, the super zombies with the special powers. Um, and then different kind of combinations of characters and stuff like that. You get different cards to play. They give you guys different boosts and stuff as you go through levels. So I don't know how long it's going to stick around um, in the rotation because it seems like it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to jump in. Uh, it's a great co-op game. Um, the thing that I will say is that like, it's, it's tough. Like you need a good solid squad. It's, it's four player co-op. There's four, four people in a squad. And if you don't fill out your squad, it's, it kind of fills it in with bots and the bots are just absolutely (laughs) useless. Uh, Some of the worst I've ever seen. They don't, they, they're pretty terrible. The only good thing about them is sometimes they'll heal you or uh, res you if you fall down. But other than that, they're not really doing a whole lot. Uh, and like, even on the easiest difficulty, it's, it's pretty tough to get through uh, some of these levels. So you definitely need a good squad. Um, like with me, Brandon and Dave, it, you know, we were, we were doing pretty good, but you definitely need that fourth person to really, uh, to really make some progress there. But Overall, it's fun. You're just shooting zombies, getting weapons, upgrades, all that good stuff. And kind of like the end goal is like you get through the campaign and then you replay it on a harder difficulty and then a harder difficulty. And that's kind of where I'm probably going to fall off. So um, I think that's about it for me. What about uh, you guys? Yeah, we could start with uh, Chris. I have been playing Hades forever since yes. it came out. Well, since yes. it came out on, on PlayStation. I missed it on Switch. I kept meaning to get around to it. Heard it was awesome. I it's great it. on Switch. I, I love it. I, I I mean, I believe it, but I, I heard it was mm-hmm. coming to PlayStation, and I uh, figured, you know, I'll play on my TV anyway. I'd get it there, so that's kind of my excuse to jump in. So I bought it day one, and it's, like, all I've played. So, like, I, I listened to y'all's show, and like most podcast listeners, I, like, insert myself into the conversation. And every time y'all do that roundtable oh, yeah. in the beginning, I'm like, man, if I was on the show, I would just be every week. Hades, Hades, been playing Hades, more Hades. Since yep. I started playing it, I haven't played any other video game. I bought Ghost of Tsushima, the director's cut, the day it came out, because it's another one that I missed first time around. And I played it for like 20 minutes, and then I went back to oh, Hades, wow. and I haven't touched Not yeah. because it's bad or anything, but it's just... Hades, to, yeah. It's just so easy Addictive. to hop in. I mean, you know, uh, my dad, I've got a 13-month-old. His nap time is Hades time. Like, he sleeps on my chest, I lay on the couch, I do three runs every day but i checked my hours i'm over 140 hours i platinumed it and like i'm still <laughs> playing like i haven't slowed down it's so good and until metroid dread i, I love metroid my favorite franchises so happy it's back and yes I, I i was able to jump into that too so i've been playing a lot of metroid dread i'm at the basically the end game like i could go and beat the boss but i'm trying to get all my items so i'm just doing item hunt right now but it's been it's my my third favorite metroid game I'd rank it right below That's awesome. Super and Prime, but I like it more than Fusion. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm still kind of, I stalled out a little bit on Metroid. Like, I I want to go back to play it, um, but I'm kind of, like, trying to savor it a little bit, not blow through it too quickly, because, yeah. I mean, as you know, we don't get 2D Metroids that often, so I kind of want to take my time with it. Um, I'm, about, I'm about three hours in or so. Um, I got sidetracked a little bit with some other stuff, but... I, I can't wait to go back to it. There's a story dump, like a big exposition moment about halfway through, and that like sealed it for me. Like I was enjoying my time with it, but after that moment, I was like, okay, I'm all in. This is like an all-time great Metroid. It's so good. So excited for you to get there. I want to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, I can't wait to get back to it. Um, was that everything, or you got anything else? Uh, I, I haven't watched anything new. I I just recently finished my second round going through the Orville, which has become one of my favorite oh, shows. Oh, it's a good season. show. 
season three coming That's the soon. Dave show so. for sure. Yeah, I even bought that. I found out there's comics, so there's um, season one point five and season two point five in comics. So I bought season one point five. Haven't jumped into it yet, but I'm just absorbing as much of that content as I can because it's like people make the joke like it's the best Star Trek show today, but it is the best Star Trek show today. Like it's, it's <laughs> really? legitimately good. It's so much better than you hear Seth MacFarlane does Star Trek, and you think parody, you think dumb jokes, you think juvenile humor, and it's funny, but it's also like a legit good star trek show i love it can't praise it enough it's got a lot of those same That's beats awesome. as like the next generation where like you know they got a lot of the same cuts before you go to commercial and they got a lot of the same shots and you can tell that they they studied it a lot before they put that show together he's just a fan yeah. of the genre it's definitely homage not parody for sure all right uh andrew what about you what have you been up to uh there? Well, I just went through Ted Lasso for a second time, finished up that. Oh, wow. Um, but I finished season two and was like, all right, I got to go back and rewatch this whole thing. And even if soccer is not your thing, I think you'll find a lot to enjoy in Ted Lasso. Just a very wholesome show that leaves me feeling good about the potential future we have in front of us. But the one thing, I, the new thing I've been diving into is I've been watching Doom Patrol the, to tie into our comic book Ooh. theme a little bit. Um, so this has been a weird one that, it's already on its third season, which I feel like the first season came out yesterday, so I have no idea how it got that far. But I decided I'd only heard good things with the cast, Brendan Fraser and Alan Tudyk and a whole bunch of others. So I was like, all right, it's time to check this out. So I like bear mauled the entire first season in like three sittings, and it's fantastic. It's I have no idea how it's flying under the radar so hard, probably because it's the Doom Patrol, and that's not a name that... <laughs> anybody is familiar with whatsoever it, it started on um, the dc universe the standalone thing right the standalone well it was and now it's on hbo max um it like jumped over to hbo max right. when they realized a dc streaming platform was a terrible idea um <laughs> yeah they were like they were like turns out people don't just want to watch superhero shows they'd like to watch other things um so yeah but i stopped in the season one like like i said finished it in like two or three settings just Great dynamic, great characters. It's got, like, the weirdness of something like Guardians of the Galaxy, but then it's got a little bit of, like, the Deadpool-type meta humor, but mixed in it's very much its own thing. But, yeah, that's the big thing I've been watching, and it's been a delight. It's very much not for children. Uh, can be very violent and very has the language. Brendan Fraser is swearing more in this show than I think in anything else he's done ever, Brendan which Fraser. is a little strange, but... Yeah, um, so it's a little strange, but I'm all about the, uh, uh, what's the good term? The Fraser Sants. Um, yes. Bringing yeah, him, back him back and everything we can. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and he, so I, I, that's another one. I can't recommend it enough, but other than that, life is a flat circle, so I don't have time for anything else. I always think about, I always think about diving into something else and I'm like, or... <laughs> I could not. <laughs> what if you could don't. just rewatch Ted Lasso? <laughs> exactly. Like it's reaching that point in my life where it's like I could do this, or I could just keep playing FIFA 19 again, and that's yes. be what happens. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> talking about like Squid Games, and like I'm sure it's great, but the yep. Orville makes me happy, and I want yeah, to exactly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Squid Game would make me very much not happy. So <laughs> that I don't think that's a show that has any uh, good. Uh, fuzzy feelings in there so it is the halloween season so i did revisit the scream franchise that's one of my oh, nice. my oh, favorite okay. of the slashers i watched my, my girlfriend and i watched them in a very strange order we watched three two four one i have no idea why we went in that order but that's probably 
that and Halloween 6 will be our, our upcoming viewings for sure because we enjoy watching subpar horror films that star strangely famous actors. Three, and Halloween two, 6 features. <laughs> 3, 2, 4, 1. Is that reverse quality order? Do they get better as you go? Uh, eh. I like 4 better than 3, but I don't know if 4 is better than 2. Um, that's a different discussion for another day, Chris. Don't derail <laughs> us here. <laughs> but... For all those who don't know, Halloween 6 is the one that features a very, very early Paul Rudd. So I can't recommend Uh-oh. watching that enough for how strange it is to see Paul Rudd in a Halloween movie. So, but yeah, that about does it for me. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know anything about the later Halloween movies, but the original is, that's that's like a Halloween staple for me. I got to watch that oh, every yeah. year. Like John Carpenter, classic. classic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we did our episode on The Thing not too long ago, and that's the first time I watched that movie, uh, another classic for the podcast and Ray movie, instant classic. I love that movie. Um, so I'm super glad that I watched that. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Um, for me, we covered back for blood. Uh, me, Brandon, and Dave checked it out. Um, kind of said all there is to say about that. We might hop back in a couple times here and there if we're feeling it. Um, the only other thing that I've really been playing is resident evil seven. Um, which there is a reason for that. We might, uh, I think we're going to be doing an episode next week talking about Resident Evil 7 and just the Resident Mm. Evil franchise as a whole for our uh, Halloween week episode. So that should be really fun. I don't want to go too deep into it here and now uh, just because we'll be diving into it next week. But Well, I won't be on that episode, so I'll say Resident Evil 7 is great. I love that game. Absolutely. (laughs) It's it's not peak for me. I'm I'm a bit of the, you know, tank control era, but... Resident Evil 2 remake, I think is peak Resident Evil, but I love 7. Yes. I really enjoyed my time with 8. Uh I yeah, great time of year. Have you been Have you been a long time uh, Resident Evil fan, Chris? Literally since since day 1. My older brother, we rented it from I mean that's how old it was, you know. This <laughs> is 97 when it came out here. We rented yeah. it uh from the video store and I distinctly remember me and him playing it in our room and the first time the dogs jumping through the window, throwing the controller down, and running out of the room. Like yep. it, it, the first game to like legitimately <laughs> scare me, and I, I've been hooked ever since. I've played every one. Yeah, die hard. I my, had my, that, my favorite I, gaming franchise, Resident Evil. That's awesome. Yeah, I had that same exact experience um, with the GameCube remake when I was a kid, because mm-hmm. um, like I was too scared to play it, but I would love watching my brothers play it. Oh yeah. So wh- whenever that uh, whenever that dog scene hit, it just scared the absolute piss out of me <laughs> like the, it was the, the scariest thing, thing ever as a kid the genius thing the gamecube one does one of the genius things is like you playing it for the first time the dog scares you but if you're uh, mm-hmm. familiar with the original you're expecting it and when it happens in the original it does not happen in the remake you enter the hallway and they don't jump to the windows until like later when you revisit it so you're not expecting it they scare you all over again, like even if you know what's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, Didn't they do a similar thing in RE2 remake with the liquors? Like the first time you see them, yep. Like they subvert your expectations there. Like you think you're gonna see them because they show like they tease it with like the scratches on the wall in the remake, but they don't actually show them until a little bit later. So that was yeah, genius with that. But Resident Evil Seven, I'm having a fantastic time. I played it back when it first came out and remember really liking most of it um i hope back, you guys talk about the dlc for that game because it is absolutely that's bonkers one if you thing i do want to check out because i have not yet might be my favorite dlc of any game ever it's it's absurd here's my analogy and it'll make sense <laughs> whenever you get around to it so i'm sorry <laughs> if it 
does make sense now, but Resident Evil 7, the main game, is the Evil Dead. Resident Evil 7, the DLC, is Evil Dead 2. It's bonkers, it's absurd, it's comedic, it is huh. wild. I don't want to spoil anything for you, but there's some wild stuff in that DLC. <laughs> I don't understand that reference, but I will believe okay. you. <laughs> Those games usually go um, off the rails at some point. They usually get a little crazy in general oh yeah towards the that's yeah last Resident third Evil's of those thing. games yeah i played um a bit of the vr version too i just dipped my toes into it a little bit and it's i don't know it's a little too much for me um i might i might dip back in a little bit now that i'm replaying it so i know kind of what to expect but i think i only got like the first 10 minutes in i like stepped like a couple feet into the maker baker house explored the kitchen a little bit and then i was like nope this is this is too much took it off yeah that sounds terrifying <laughs> it was pretty bad um but that is a conversation for next week uh what we're talking about here tonight is our top three favorite superhero movies um so we are going to take a break right now and when we come back we will get into it And we are back to talk about some superhero movies, um, specifically our top three favorite superhero movies. Uh, but before we do that, I reached out on the Twitters and the Facebooks to get some other people's opinions on their favorite superhero movies. Um, so you can find us on Twitter at Nomads of Fantasy, also on Instagram at Nomads of Fantasy. Um, you can email us with any thoughts, questions, comments, whatever you want, uh, nomadsoffantasy at gmail.com. Um, but I kind of reached out to see what other people's favorite top three superhero movies were um, as well. So on Twitter, we have Jake Iveson, our good buddy. Um, so he has an interesting top three. Uh, Wonder Woman, the 2017 version. Hmm. This is number three. Captain America, First Avenger, and Thor Ragnarok. Um, some solid choices solid, there. Solid respect. Solid, solid list. Um, LazyCon Gaming, who you guys had on last week, I believe, with Batman vs Superman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good guy. Really cool. Good guy. Uh, he said he had a list, but then he couldn't uh, seem to rectify the recency bias and compare something like Ragnarok to Superman. Watchmen will always be my number one, but after that, it gets really murky. So. Uh, kind of non-committal there. I mean, we. we I was gonna got, say he's living up to the lazy yeah, name there yeah, by yeah. not giving us a real list. <laughs> it's not a real list. Um, Brendan Kenny says Guardians of the Galaxy, Dark Knight, and The Incredibles. I like oh, okay. that. I like The Incredibles choice. That's good. It's all it's very very. Uh, some say it's the best. It's the best Fantastic Four movie. Some would say. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, let's see here. Uh, uh, Sheila Marie says, Doctor Strange, Captain America, and Captain America Winter Soldier. Two captains um, on there. Okay. Two captains. Wow. Yep. Uh, Kathy Goodman says, The Dark Knight, Some some X-Men, and Deadpool. <laughs> some X-Men. I, don't know, I don't know what some X-Men some means. Some X-Men. That is a, that's kind of accurate, though, because some the X-Men. The good ones. You know, they kind of they blend some together of them. a bit. Yeah. Um, I like this answer. Dan Montgomery says, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Those are his top three. I think that's a popular choice. I mean, they made a, that movie three times? Putting it up there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> All three of them. 
Uh, all right. So thank you for everyone who submitted your top three favorite superhero movies. Um, and now let's just get into ours. I feel like this is going to be, uh, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, and personally, I feel a little bit intimidated because I feel like I'm the uh, least experienced one here. M most of my superhero exposure is through movies. Like, I am not really a huge comic book guy. Please, guys, don't disown me or leave the podcast or anything because I'm not a, a huge comic book guy. <laughs> but, uh, I, my, like I said, my experience is mainly with movies. Um, but I love them. And that's my that's my main exposure. I know I know everyone else here is huge comic book fans. So I mean, no, um, no gatekeeping. I'm never gonna tell someone like you're not a true fan. Sure. If you're not reading the books. Yeah. Like <laughs> if you truly love these comic book characters, you will love any exposure they get, no, no matter what medium. You know, I'm just happy that anybody's into this nerd stuff. I don't care how they get into it. Yeah, I agree. It's I got into a random Twitter argument with somebody who was trying to like separate out like marvel fans from marvel movie fans and i'm like you're aware they're the same thing right like that that if yeah there's no they don't split apart like it's just such a weird nonsense thing to do it's it's all the same thing like i'm not gonna begrudge somebody for not reading all 2000 issues of batman because dear god who would want to do that um if if the biggest problem in your life is that some people enjoy comic book movies instead of reading the books you must have a pretty good life like if you're spending energy like making those kind of arguments i envy yeah, like, the stress-free life it. you must be living yep i've i've always been like interested in getting into the comic side but to me it's just always been intimidating just because i never know like where to start or what you know what era to start in all that stuff like do i start with like the classics the originals do i start with the newest thing is there certain runs that are the best um so here's so the thing I'm that's kind of where i a list of like I'll keep it like five books and I'm going to know if you take I would up love the that. recommendations because I'm going to listen to the podcast every week and it better. Come I would up love that. that. Yeah. So <laughs> I will throw some your way after the show. Perfect. Thank you, Chris. I was, I always go the compendium route these days. Cause like as a kid growing up, like you buy comic books and you get like, you know, two out of every couple here or there, unless you're got a nice subscription or whatever. So like this, I don't know, stories growing up from me reading are always like so discombobulated, but I think it just helps you enjoy them more. Oh, yeah. Get a big chunk of story at one time. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, let's stop beating around the bush here. Let's just get right into it. Um, we're all going to start. We're gonna just kind of going to go around, um, start with our number threes, and then work our way up to our number ones, um, kind of just going around. And if we have some overlap, we can uh, discuss it there. I so. mean, everyone has Catwoman on the list, right? We can probably just start with that. We all put Catwoman on there? It's not just me, right? That's that's my gold star. That's the that's what all other number one movies are held up to. If you're not gonna match Catwoman, don't even bother. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, well, I'll just go in order here. Chris is in my top left, so let's start with Chris at number three. What's right. your what's your third favorite superhero movie? My number three, and like I'm gonna put so many qualifiers on this. I mean, I committed to three. I didn't. I went lazy con, <laughs> taking a cheap way out. I. My, my list is a bit of a mix of, like, subjectivity and objectivity. Like, some of these are just my personal favorite comic book movies. Some of them, like, I genuinely believe are some of the best comic book movies. So, to have, like, a Venn diagram of those two things, I kind of went for the middle there. But, at any rate, my number three is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the OG from 1990. This is also oh, my number wow. three, just to get it out of the way. <laughs> is that on your list, Andrew? Oh, nice. It was number three. 
Number three. Okay, there we that go. That is perfect. All right. <laughs> I uh, that is a that's a great choice. This is my most nostalgic choice, but I quick qualifier. I watched it as recently as this year. It totally holds up. I mean, yeah, I'm very nostalgic. One hundred percent. Such a good adaptation of it's a mix of the book and the TV show at the time. Uh, it's got some darker tones you kind of see in the comic book, but it's got like the personalities from the TV show. I just it was such a smart way to adapt the property and it hit such a specific note that will probably never be hit again. Like I won't say they won't ever make a better Teenage Mutant Turtles movie. They might, but it won't be this specific tone. Like watching as a kid, there was parts where like, oh, this is like the serious part. Like this is where the turtles are, you know, down on the luck, they're down on the farm, they feel defeated, like is Raph gonna be okay? And then there's other parts, you know, Mikey's just being hilarious and you're laughing along with the turtles. Like it's it's also very specific because like only in 1990 are you going to get the turtles brought to life with puppetry and animatronics. That's just a specific time in Hollywood that really doesn't exist anymore. And there's just a, there's a magic to that, like physical living turtles that you can imagine yourself alongside uh, me as a 32 year old man, imagining myself alongside the turtles still, of course. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I have a lot of nostalgia for the film, but like you said, you revisit it. And the reason I picked this too is like, this movie is just in my brain, like all the time. Like the lines, the quotes, I'm pretty sure the entire script just lives in my head rent free at this point. Like me and we have a mutual friend between Chris and I named Doug and like just back and forth with Doug endlessly just quoting this movie. And it's never boring. It's never tired. I'm never suddenly like, hey, let's stop quoting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's all I've like, been there. They just go through the entire movie line by line. Back and we forth. just do. We just keep going. Um, and just and Chris is right. It mixes all these different kind of things together to kind of make what I would say is probably the best version of the Ninja Turtles we've seen on screen and may ever see on screen. It's to the point where when we talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on our show, when we were talking about three, but like this movie kind of is still held up 30 years later as something, you know, they may never top this. This may be the closest it ever gets to kind of capturing what the Ninja Turtles are. And here lately, I've actually been reading the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, which is a comic that the original two creators of the Ninja Turtles have kind of come back to finish. And it's just reigniting all that in my head, all my love of the Ninja Turtles and everything about that. And yeah, I just, this is a movie that I can put on pretty much no matter what type of mood I'm in, and it will make me feel better. It's that kind of movie for me, where it's like, you know what, I'm just going to put on Ninja Turtles, and it life is going to be better for this 92 minutes. And also, the soundtrack slaps. That so good. soundtrack and the score for that movie, horrendously underrated. I waited decades for them to finally release that score, and thankfully they did. I say Andrew and I both have that on vinyl. <laughs> vinyl, yes. Ooh. That's amazing. It's Why watch Squid Game when I can rewatch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and feel good? D- exactly. That's what I'm there's saying. There's not even any squids in Squid Game. Like, there's actual <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. There's no the squids in Squid the Game. Promise. The title is, says it all. And it is. I mean, it is such a good one. And it's funny how, like, Secret of the Ooze 2 went, like... I feel like that one got, it almost got too popular and they almost tried to do too much with the second one. But like the first one, I read the comic books when I was a kid and like, there's a lot of stabbing and there's a lot of blood in those (laughs) original ones. 
they kind of it is like you said it was it's like a nice balance between the cartoons and staying true to the originals there so what's the um consensus on the michael bay movies what <laughs> to be honest with what? you i have not watched them yet. really not yet yes i yes i i I feel like with my podcast, Let me at guess. some point I'm gonna have to, but I have not. Watched if it. only, if only there was a podcast where they kind of looked at comic book movies that were not as well received and like took a second look at them. I think those would be great candidates for that. Hey, I'm gonna write that down, Andrew. That's a great idea. For we'll, we'll, we'll workshop that later. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I real love quick it. Awesome. though, before we move on, best Ninja Turtle, Leonardo. Okay, move on. Donatello. That's Donatello. Leonardo. Yeah. I'm with you, Chris. Three Leos. Split cast here. What are you going to (laughs) do? All right. uh, Dave, what's up with you? What's Uh, your number three? Number three. I've been been going back and forth on number three and number two. Um, But at number three, I put in, I keep saying The Watchmen, but it is just Watchmen. Um, Came out in 2009. It's an adaptation of a 1986 DC comic um, from back in the day uh it's a little more serious and a little darker than i will say the turtles or other other superhero movies um it deals with some uh i don't know some heavy topics i guess here and there there's um the books have a bit more i don't know talking about uh cold war and nuclear escalation and all that kind of stuff and i don't know some of the superhero parts i guess Dr. Manhattan was probably like the superhero of this movie, but like, I guess, I don't know if the other guys really have superpowers or it's not like they were dipped in ooze. They didn't get hit by cosmic rays or anything like that. But, uh, this one was made by Zack Snyder after he made 300, I want to say. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it was pretty, I had mixed reviews when it came out. Um, I ended up reading the book before I watched it and I'm kind of glad I did because, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the movie to try and keep up with overall. Um, but I just like the way that, I don't know, 2009, I guess Marvel was on its way up. It hadn't quite hit its full steamroller of tremendous uh, money-making box office power that it has now. But I thought it was uh, really cool to see a different take, a grittier take. I guess this is you know back when Batmans were still... I think Batman Begins was back in this era, somewhere around there. So there were some gritty movies, but this one was kind of, I don't know, the, the, the cinematography in it, um, the story in it, some of the special effects in it all just kind of hit quite nicely for me. You guys have all seen, I take it. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned you read the book first, which I think the movie is best viewed like as a companion to the book. I don't yeah. know. I'm not going to start slamming your number three. It's a good pick, but like. It, the theatrical cut has a little bit of trouble standing on its own, but if you are familiar with the book and you look at the, the movie as like bringing those pages to life and giving you cool visuals and good performances, I think it functions great in that way. Sure. I usually watch the, uh, I think he calls it the ultimate edition, like the four hour cut that's got the, oh dear God. the, the animated sequences <laughs> worked into it. Like every, like, I don't know, 18 months, I'm like, yeah, I'll give it another watch and I clear out half my day and I watch it and it's, it's a good time. But I, I mean, I, I do read comics, not as much these as I used to, but I was definitely in the comics at the time. But I'm, I'm not going to front. Like, the movie, the, it being announced, I remember seeing the trailer for the first time in theaters to see The Dark Knight was kind of my introduction to The Watchmen. To The Watchmen, the lady done to me. To Watchmen. And 
I remember reading like a Entertainment Weekly blog about it, and it was like the most acclaimed comic book of all time is being brought to the screen. I'm like, I've never even heard of this. What are you talking about? <laughs> it does have a very important place in comics. Alongside Dark Knight Returns, it was kind of credited with like maturing of comic books and growing up of comics, you know, comics being taken seriously in the 80s. And I read the book first. I watched the movie. I, I, I will, I'll just, I'll say, I'll get my hot take out of the way. I don't know if it's hot take or not, but the ending of the movie, they make a very, uh, spoilers, I guess we can spoil stuff on here, right? They make, sure, a, oh, yeah. they make a, a major change from the book. In yes. The, in, in the book, the thing that unites the world is a perceived attack from aliens. A giant squid drops into the city and they think it's an alien attack. So they all bond together. In the movie, they change it to mimic Dr. Manhattan's attacks make the world think that Dr. Manhattan has attacked the world. And that's what makes him unite. Unite, And that's a much cleaner way to end it, I think. And overall, I'm going to, you know, say a book over a movie. It's just usually the case. But that one change, I will stand by. I prefer that movie version. It's that actually one, interesting. Yeah. The guy yeah, who... Oh, go ahead. oh, yeah. So the guy who edited the original Watchmen comic was a guy named Len Wein, who was responsible for creating... Wolverine, Swamp Thing, and a whole bunch of others in comics. He's a pretty legendary creator, but in the 80s, he phased more towards editing. He claims that at the time, he told Alan Moore, he's like, this ending is kind of like, you know, it doesn't really go with the rest of the book. And he actually <laughs> told him because it's very similar to the end of an Outer Limits episode called The Architects of Fear, where a very similar method is employed to like avoid World War Three. They basically create a false world uniting event that's fake aliens and len ween was kind of like this is basically the same thing and alan moore was kinda, this is the story this may be you know alan moore probably has his own take on it and i'm not saying the book is bad or anything but you know so len ween kind of called out that he thought that version didn't really go um and i actually kind of agree i think the ending in the movie actually functions better within the narrative i think it functions a little bit better because you know manhattan's already leaving the planet you know it's it, it works within those confines but it's, it's, I, I don't know this story. I've never heard that before. But in the movie version, in one of the final scenes on the television is The Outer Limits. Now, I've got to imagine it's a nod to I that I would absolutely assume. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I thought, like, the movie definitely has some hiccups. Um, there's the hallelujah scene in it, which I thought was just weird and clunky in the middle of it. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, there's some weird dialogue that goes on to into it. But, like, just as far as, like, yeah, bringing a, a graphic novel to the screen and something that... I don't know, such a heavy topic or whatever. I thought it was a very fantastic job. That the Osmandius and uh, the Joker fight, Joker comedian fight in the beginning. Oh yeah, it just blew, blew my mind at the time. That was awesome. I don't know if any of you guys ever watched the HBO Watchmen series they did a couple years ago, um, but it functions as a follow up to the book, which is odd. It's a live action television show follow up to Watchmen the graphic novel. Um, but if you haven't checked that out, I actually highly recommend it. It's just one season of like nine or ten episodes, but very well done. Whenever the movie came out, DC started making all these spinoffs of Watchmen. Yeah. And I was like, this is unnecessary. The book stands on its own. And I kind of had that attitude for the TV show, but I kept hearing it so good. And I checked it out. I watched the first episode and it is excellent. It's also very dark and deals with scary relevant things to our political climate in the world today 
and that's why I only watched one episode, not because it's bad, but because like I can't, I need can't to, fault you there. I need to rewatch the Orville. <laughs> I need to watch Turtles. I need something happy. <laughs> this is rough. Yeah, no, I get it. So for someone who doesn't have any experience with the the comics, like myself, would you recommend uh, the Watchmen show for someone like me who wants to kind of dip their toes into it? Uh, you can certainly watch the show. It functions as a sequel, but you're given all the relevant information you need. I think you'd be fine. You could watch the movie first, but the pro- the biggest difference is the show goes off of the comic ending, not the movie ending. That's your biggest tell oh. between the two, oh, is that like the show very implicitly like mentions the event from the comic. Otherwise, it probably could have easily functioned as a sequel to either, but... It just saying that out loud feels so strange that HBO made like a ten episode follow up to Watchmen the comic specifically. It's like it's such <laughs> yeah. a strange thing, but you do get all of your relevant information. And some characters from the original do come back; others are implied. But you're introduced to this whole host of new characters, and it, it's very extremely well done. Um, and I actually like how it ends a lot, um, which is surprising because it was done by Damon Lindelof, who's usually really bad at that. Um, but yeah, if you're ever interested in trying something a little bit different, I do recommend the Watchmen show. Awesome. Uh, well, I'll just get into my number three. Um, like I said, keep in mind, my background is all movies. No judgment here, man. um, This is a safe space. You're in the trust (laughs) tree. You're in the circle of trust. You're good. Well, I'm just saying that because I think some of my picks will influence. You can kind of tell that they'll, they'll be influenced by that fact. Um, so number three is uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Garbage. You're garbage. Um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm signing off right now. (laughs) Um, So... I, this was uh, this came out at a time. This came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, this came out at a time where my girlfriend at the time, now wife, um, we we went to the movies like all the time. We would be going like every other day to see a movie. We saw pretty much every movie that came out uh, in the span of like 20. I want to say like 2012 to 2015. That's all we did was just go to the movies. Um, safe to say. That, it's not a uh, cheap hobby. Um, no. But <laughs> this one, so like a lot of those movies kind of uh, fall in the background. Like there's, I, I saved all my old ticket stubs from all those movies that we saw. And like sometimes I'll look back at them and like, I'm like, I don't even know what this movie is. Like I don't remember <laughs> seeing this. I don't remember watching this. We saw so many movies at the time that it's like, I, I can't even recall what this movie is. But Guardians was one of those movies that like, really stuck out to me um and this the movie was my first introduction to the guardians of the galaxy like i didn't know anything about them you're definitely not alone in that read comic books are not most people were not familiar with the guardians before the movie no yeah not at all so like i said yeah this was my first introduction to them i knew nothing about them um and like i kind of just fell in love with the with the characters um like just this motley crew of misfits coming together to uh save the galaxy and everything um like the action was great like to me it felt like i was almost watching like a star wars quality like space combat movie with the scenes and with the space battles and like the humor was great it absolutely landed for me um and marvel the marvel movies i feel like do a a good job at introducing characters like that you've never heard of before for especially for someone like me um, who doesn't have as much experience with the comic books. Um, so all of that was great. And 
I, I can't go, uh, I can't mention Guardians without mentioning the soundtrack. Um, it's fantastic. I mean, it's not an original soundtrack or anything, but they had such great picks um, that set the tone uh, for this movie. So I really liked it. Um, I've got that. on a feeling. I've got great. that vinyl as well. <laughs> yep. I, I don't have the vinyl, but I know that I have the CD kicking around somewhere and that we listen to that all the time uh, in the car when we were driving. So... Um, and this, it's weird because uh, this was kind of Chris Pratt's, like, introduction into, like, movie stardom. Like, before this, he was kind of like the fat schlubby guy on Parks and Rec. And then you see him in this movie, like, he goes away for a little bit. You see him in this movie and he's, like, Star-Lord, like, jacked, like, superhero. Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. More like Chris Jacked, like Jesus. Yeah. Um, Which James Gunn. It's like, where James did you Gunn come d- from? did not ask him to do that. Like, they cast him wanting the schlubby guy from Parks and Rec. Like, yeah, every man looking oh, really? guy. That's that's Star-Lord. And he took it upon himself. He's like, no, I'm, I'm playing a superhero. I'm going to put the work in. And he just did that himself, just got jacked. And so they, you know, all right, I guess we can put a shirtless scene in the in the trailer. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, they that, definitely did that on purpose. That was Chris That was, a, that was sure. a selling point. Um, but, yeah, so... I mean, I thought, well, say what you will about Chris Pratt now, like, uh, all, whatever. We don't have to get into all that stuff. But um, this movie, I thought he was fantastic. Um, I thought Dave Bautista's Drax was absolutely incredible. Perfect. Like, his, his performance as Drax. Like, I don't, I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how he is in the comic books, but this version of Drax, I really, really like. Um, like, just the, the humor. The humor in this movie... Um, mixed with some of the serious moments and the action um, is really what made it for me. I, I'm, I'm one of those nine people that knew who the Guardians were from before this because <laughs> there was a pretty lauded run of Guardians that came out and was coming out before this that came out and Gunn mentioned it as kind of an influence. But as a huge fan of all of these characters, I'm just going to say that if there is anybody out there saying that they like Drax better in the comics versus Dave Bautista's performance, they're lying. <laughs> because Drax in the comics is like nothing. Like he's there's not a whole lot to him. His biggest thing is he's got a vendetta with Thanos and they changed that for the movie to change that around for the movie. But it, it's very much one of those things where people are like, I just prefer Drax in the comics. I'm like, you're not telling me the truth, are you? I don't trust what you're telling me right now. So no, I think I think that's a very an excellent pick though. That script by James Gunn is like perfect. Like, he kind of emulated that a lot when he just did the Suicide Squad this last summer. But that, I it's a fantastic pick. That movie is, it, like I said, everything about Chris Pratt aside now, there's a reason he got so popular so fast. It was, I mean, that, the performances mm-hmm. that he was giving, everything, it, it, you know, people empathized with it. They were seeing kind of themselves on screen through Chris Pratt because he felt like, you know, a normal person. And yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. It's a masterclass in like introducing multiple new characters at once, especially characters that like no one ever expected this for. I talked to Mike Mignola once, who's the co-creator of Hellboy. Um, he was at a show and I asked him because he also co-created Rocket Raccoon. And I asked him, oh, I was wow. like, did you ever see this happening? And he was like, of course not. He's like, who whoever would have thought Rocket Raccoon would have been more than just like a <laughs> gag character on a page. And he's like, but now here he is part of Bill, a billion dollar franchise it's but you see it it's a fantastic choice mm-hmm. yeah and somehow they were able to write it so you empathize with this cgi raccoon absolutely. in a way that you absolutely don't expect to 
Um, like seriously, every single character in the Guardians movie um, just uh, like knocked out of the park has a super special place uh, in my heart for various reasons uh other than that it's a great movie so guardians does not the movie does not get enough credit for changing the mcu and honestly changing comic book movies at the time it came out i mean look at the mcu before that phase one it's iron man captain america hulk thor it's staple characters then you get the avengers big guns phase two is just sequels to those movies it's just iron man 3 thor 2 captain america 2 and then out of nowhere you get guardians of the galaxy this weird ass space story with these characters you've never heard of it is tonally totally different than anything else in the mcu and james gunn came up with that idea he's like hey guys i I like these characters i want to write this movie for them it wasn't part of like Mm -hmm. mcu's greater scheme what they wanted to do was do ant-man phase two that was their idea of hey let's get weird let's get this character that a lot of people don't know about ant-man and then instead we get guardians of the galaxy in phase two and it's a massive success. It proves that the characters themselves don't need to be well-known beforehand to be a successful movie. It proves that audiences are willing to get weird to accept a CGI raccoon. It just blew the doors open for comic book movies to do anything. And if it's good, if it's a quality movie like Guardians is, people are going to go see it. And it legitimately, I think, changed superhero movies for the better. And so, yeah, I think it's an awesome pick. I've got... Just outside the office I'm recording in. I've got the Guardians poster on my wall. It's one of my favorites in the MCU. Chris Pratt's great in it. I'll defend Chris Pratt's performance. Yeah, he's awesome. Great movie. My favorite character, Rocket Raccoon. I'm curious what all of yours are in the Guardians. My favorite scene in the first one is Rocket uh, at the at the bar, basically. Uh, drunk off his ass and like his true feelings mm-hmm. start to come out. And he starts crying when he's yelling at Drax beautiful like you're getting emotional over this cgi character and bradley cooper's performance is so good because i do not picture or see bradley cooper when he's voicing a rocket like he just is rocket it's mm-hmm. so good great stuff yeah. i agree i really like that you uh, brought up that was a turning point for the mcu because like there was so much of that um humor in guardians of the galaxy that they introduced that now is like kind of synonymous with all the MCU movies. Like they introduced all of like the humor. I mean, like it's it's kind of you don't get you don't get Thor Ragnarok now. without Guardians first. That's very true. Absolutely. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're all just like buddy movies now. Like they're um, and I think Guardians of the Galaxy kind of kicked that whole thing off. Um, so yeah, I think that was really good. Yeah. Uh, I would I would say if I would if I had to pick a scene in that movie. It was when they're probably uh, escaping the prison, um, and Rocket is kind of the mastermind of the whole thing, and he gives uh, Star Lord the job of like getting this guy's leg or arm or whatever yeah. it was, prosthetic arm. Like, we really need this. This is crucial to uh, the mission. And really, it was just kind of a distraction for something Star Lord to do while Rocket kind of orchestrates the whole escape plan. I I just love that. Fantastic. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. We talked about Guardians a lot. I love that movie. Um, let's move on to our number two, uh, Chris. Do we have Andrew's number up. three? Oh, yeah. Same as mine. We have the same one, man. Both we just talked about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two. My number two pick is this little little movie you may have heard of called Batman Begins. Speaking of Ooh. superhero Ooh. movies that changed the landscape. Yeah, so uh, it's fun. Okay, Batman Begins is a great movie. It's critically acclaimed. 
But you guys are reacting like this is a hot pick. I'm assuming because you expected me to pick a different <laughs> Batman movie. But I'm going to go to bat <laughs> yeah. for Big Ends because I, first and foremost, love Batman. Like, he's my guy. He's my character. He's my, I mean, you know, uh, listeners can't see what oh, I'm showing yeah. here. But, I mean, I've got a prominent <laughs> Batman tattoo. You guys have seen my office here. Like, i pretty big uh, Batman stan, as the kids say. But it's in large part because of this movie. I mean, I grew up with Batman like everyone else. The animated series from the 90s is one of my favorite TV shows. I loved it growing up. I loved the 90s franchise growing up. But until Batman Begins, like before that time, he was kind of just another superhero that I really liked. But this movie really solidified that he's something special and my personal favorite, better than all the others. Christopher Nolan was my favorite movie uh, director at the time. He's still ranks pretty high up there for me but memento i often cite as like my favorite movie so him coming on board to do a batman movie was just so strange and i remember seeing it in theaters and just being blown away by like how serious it was which there's a lot of movies since then that i would kind of mock for that for being a little too serious but at the time i mean this was strange to say one of the first ones to do it because in the early 2000s you're getting x-men you're getting spider-man you're getting daredevil you're getting hulk oh well, i guess hulk takes it seriously but a lot of these movies i'm not saying they're good or bad but they're trying to be zany campy fun hollywood blockbusters and then batman begins comes out and it's like no we're gonna take this seriously we're gonna put batman in the real world as much as we can and maybe ultimately have mixed feelings about putting superheroes in the real world but if you're gonna do it the nolan movies are the way to do it and that first movie, the reason I got Batman Begins here instead of the others is because this dives into everything I love about Batman. What makes Batman great? Turning this tragedy into a mission, developing his code, devoting his life to this, like this becoming a symbol, which is a big part of the movie, explaining why he chooses to be Batman, what his, what his mission is to strike fear into the hearts of the cowardly and the evil. It's why I love the character, and I think it's hasn't been that Batman story hasn't been told better in films than Batman Begins. I agree. This this may be my it. hot take. I'm sure you're gonna continue on later, but this is actually my favorite of the Nolan movies. Hmm. We we Andrew, you and I are kind of, we got some similar room, <laughs> similar wavelength. Here. We should talk more about superheroes. We should. We should. Yeah. I think you guys I should start a podcast or something. We I don't know about a podcast. Maybe like I'm thinking radio. <laughs> I'm thinking like we go old school. We find a radio show. Yeah. But um, radio show. But no, what I like about I I agree with pretty much everything you're saying. I think it, it's kind of like I said though. Like Hulk takes itself seriously, but it felt like Batman was the first one that really found like the right mix of the character with the seriousness. Like, when you take Hulk dreadfully seriously, it just feels weird because it's the Hulk. Like, you feel bad for the e guy. <laughs> like, yeah, you're like, everybody, nobody looks happy in this movie. Nobody looks like they're excited to be in a Hulk. There's no excitement in a Hulk movie. He's a giant green monster. I realize there's <laughs> sadness in his story, but, like, it's just such a joyless film. Uh, <laughs> not to reveal really too much, is. that was a very challenging episode of our show. But... Um, <laughs> But with Batman, you've got finally like the right character where doing that approach matches the character. But he also finds a really good balance with it because it's easy to go too far. Like we know they can. Like you said, there's plenty of movies since then where it's so serious to the point that it's almost parody. Like you're it's mm -hmm. so 
taking itself so seriously, you just kind of almost start laughing because you're like, this is such a ridiculous thing to be taking so seriously. But with Batman Begins, especially with at that point not having had a film since Batman and Robin, that was, I think, absolutely the right approach. And it also ends up feeling, I think, like the most comic booky of all his films, despite like that real world aspect of it. Because you're getting things like, you know, you've got Roz in the League of the League of Shadows, but you've also got um, Scarecrow doing his fear toxin stuff all around, getting your weird hallucinations and stuff, and all of that just is so cool. It's so awesome to see it on screen. I liked that they gave us villains we hadn't seen before to that point, including with Scarecrow and Roz. So it's just a great balance of like, like you said, everything that really is cool about Batman, and it's not hard to see how that's become the definitive Batman for a lot of people. It takes itself serious, but doesn't try to be realistic, which I think is the right. key. Like, there's nothing realistic mm-hmm. about that movie, about the the tumbler jumping across rooftops or the fear toxin, like you mentioned. Like, these aren't realistic things. These aren't like Batman in the real world, but they take it seriously. Uh, in Roger Ebert's review, he called it the superhero movie that he never knew he always wanted, or the Batman movie he didn't know he always wanted. And I think it's just a perfect way to sum it up. Like, this is the movie like I knew to ask for at the time, but when I saw it, I was like, "Well, this is." I mean, it. This is going to sound dramatic, but I mean it. It changed my life. Like, it, it changed the trajectory of, like, who, like, my passion for Batman and even comics came after this. Like, the period leading up to The Dark Knight, uh, just, which I, I hope we get a chance to talk about in depth a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> you gotta was, wonder. <laughs> I, that's when I got into comics. That's when I read all the books. That's when I, I just got into this world. And, uh, yeah, Batman means a lot to me. And it's definitely in large part due to this movie. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how you follow that up, Dave, but I, here you go, number two. <laughs> well, I guess if you take in the... Because that's, that's kind of like the, I don't know, the newer version of Batman. And that's like kind of how we think it's got more grounded in reality and stuff like that. My number two is also a Batman movie, but it is the 1989 Batman movie. with oh. Which is also my number two. Hey, oh, right. another buddy, buddy. another twofer. Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson. Um, I mean, I think part of it is like I was like nine or ten years old when it came out. Um, so it kind of you know ground itself like right into my foundation. Like uh, seeing that in theaters um, was one of the more intense movies that I saw as a kid. But uh, the time that it came out too, like you really only had like superman movies really i guess in those days um and then batman i mean before then was kind of known as like the hokey 50s tv show you know um kind of corny i guess and then tim burton came in and took this one and kind of gave it like a i don't know they took it from the comic books and gave it that comic book feel and it was you know dark and dirty and had a lot of that grit to it which I don't know. You didn't see a lot of that back then, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to take up everything on you, but because uh, Andrew's getting Andrew's getting double dipped over here. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why do you love it so much? Uh, well, part of it is that it's very formative. Like, obviously, I, I was born in '87, so I didn't see this one in theaters. But it's you know, my parents had it on VHS when I was growing up, and it was there, and it was accessible, and. It's just another one that I can watch, and I just have so much fun watching it. Like, Keaton as Batman is so... 
He's got the charisma, he's got the energy, but he's mm-hmm. got that stoic seriousness that he needs to do. Jack Nicholson as the Joker is fantastic. It's its own thing. I realize that you know there are people who don't prefer that version of the Joker, but I think it's ridiculous. It's over the top. It works. They create this great contrast together. And Michael Keaton is the greatest actor of our time. So, I mean, you you really can't <laughs> go wrong in that regard. So part of it is nostalgia, but this is definitely another one where, like, I just enjoy watching it. Like, it's it's just something where, like, if I want to watch a Batman movie, I almost go to this one first all the time. That's why I picked this over others. That's not to say that, like, Batman Begins or Dark Knight might not be, like, better films with, you know, yes. on a technical level. or And not even necessarily say from an enjoyment level. But, like, this is one where I can watch it and, like... I have to be in, like, specific frames of mind for something like The Dark Knight. I can watch Batman anytime. Batman just makes me... It's another one where I just watch this and I'm like, I'm just watching a Batman movie. And I'm having fun doing it. In a lot of ways, it's the most iconic Batman. Especially that Batmobile. It's still my favorite Batmobile. Uh, but, oh, yeah. but Keaton's suit, I mean, it introduced this... What they thought of at the time, like a dark Batman. Because, like you said, most people, the mainstream audience's Adam West TV show was what they thought of as Batman. And during this time in comic books, especially during the 80s, I mentioned Dark Knight Returns earlier, like comic books had quote unquote grown up and started to have more serious stories and a darker tone. And this movie was an adaptation of that. And I think mainstream audiences were like, wait a minute, we can actually take this character seriously? Like, what is this? And early Tim Burton, I mean, no, his movies are just back then were just so visually striking every frame of that movie is just absolutely gorgeous it's oozing with style if (laughs) i've said harsh things about this movie in the past that i'm sure andrew would love to tell people about but (laughs) yes (laughs) but but i do really like the movie it is style first and foremost but that's not necessarily a bad thing which Younger, angrier me might have said it was, but it, it's very much just uh, the visuals, the look, just iconic, I think, is the is the word that I think. It's just, yeah, the about. visual style of this movie is very, is it's it's just very striking. It sticks in your head. Like, that Batmobile is still, like, the Flash trailer that just came out, like, the finished stinger is seeing that classic Batmobile again on the big screen. Like, that's the final tease of it. Like, it's something that still sticks in people's heads. Like, that idea of his look and the style and everything he's got. And, like you said, we're kind of coming off of Superman 4 just two years before this. Which is like, you know, Superman 4 is kind of one of the low points of the genre. So, to burst back out, the same studio, no less, with Batman two years later was mm-hmm. kind of tu- kind of a big turnaround. And, like I said, that visual style is just great. And then if you watch Terry Gilliam's Brazil, you can see where Tim Burton stole it from. Oh, (laughs) I did not know that. A little bit of an exaggeration, but if you watch the two back-to-back, you will see some very striking similar references. Kind of like if you watch (laughs) The Dark Knight and Heat (laughs) back-to-back. It's the same movie. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. The, well, let's uh, not forget. Uh, just some weird homework the music there for you. Movie, oh, the of course. music in the movie oh, is yeah. fantastic, too. Between Danny Elfman, which sometimes, I don't know, I think of his com- compositions as some kind of like goofy because they always have like this little bouncy rhythm to them. Yeah. But the one in this, I mean, this, the orchestral stuff is burned into my brain, and then the Prince stuff on top of that is oh, just of course. icing on yeah. the cake. It's kind the, of the 89 Batman theme, and then the slightly reworked version for the TV show is the best superhero theme of all time. If 
in, in my opinion, but I think a lot of people would agree. I mean, it's if it's not Very number iconic. one, it's got to be a top five. Yeah. It's just too bad about that bat symbol, though. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, noticed <laughs> It's that. very weird. It, they fix it in Batman Returns, but in Batman, it's got some extra points in there for no reason. <laughs> when they made the suit, they hadn't secured the rights for the logo itself, which for some reason is separate. So they had to slightly alter it. It's got these extra points. By the time the movie came out, they did have the rights. So the poster, you've got the correct bat symbol, but on his chest, he's got all these extra points on the bat. And it looks kind of goofy if you look at it. Very weird. <laughs> hmm. Well, you can tell that I'm the youngest one on this podcast because I have not seen this one. You've never even seen it. You guys are absolutely selling me on it. So, I mean, this is one, yeah, this is uh, one of the the Superman or superhero holes I got to fill. This is me next on my list for sure. Um, All right, I guess that's me for number two. Uh, So, I'm going with something pretty recent. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse is my number two. Nice. Came out in 2018. Um, so I actually didn't see this when it first released. Um, I watched this for the first time when my son, William, was like uh, really newborn. When it's kind of in that uh, parental leave phase where I'm like off from work. Uh, it's two weeks. Kind of have a bunch of time on my hands while the baby's sleeping, all this stuff. Exhausted kind of in a haze um and i saw this movie i saw into the spider was on netflix i knew it was getting like you know rave reviews it was super critically acclaimed um so i just threw it on one day randomly and like i just absolutely fell in love with it like i don't know if it was just the uh the exhaustion from being a new parent but like this is one of the most visually striking things that (laughs) movies that i've ever seen in my entire life like that's not even an exaggeration um just the animation was beautiful um how it animated on the twos like i've never seen anything like that before um the soundtrack was incredible uh and like it expanded on what like a Spider-Man movie could be of what I've ever, you know, I know that I know they've done like tons of multiverse stuff in the comics before, but I've never seen that like in the movie form. So when they started introducing all the different Spider-Mans, um, like it brought the, the comedy element in there, but there was also a lot of like dark undertones for an animated movie, um, which I thought was really worked really well. Um, and, this is also the first time I've kind of seen Miles Morales as like a main character in a uh, a movie, anyways. Um, so I I really liked Miles' character. Um, I've Spider Man for me personally is probably my favorite superhero. Um, just getting that out there because he's just so relatable. Um, you know, being a, a kind of an outcast high school kid, um, trying to find his way in the world and everything, and. Um, I don't know. This movie just really, really uh, connected with me. Um, just mostly the the visuals were just incredible. Like I just I can't state that enough. How how good it is. Even if you don't really like Spider Man or superhero movies, like this is a movie that you just have to experience um, purely for uh, the visual and animation quality. Um, like it's just it's just amazing. As someone I who has no good. children. Let me tell you that it's not just because you were exhausted having a newborn. Um, I, <laughs> um, no, but I agree. This, I, I got one of those setups for my TV that does like the lights behind the screen that syncs up with yeah. what's on the television. And this movie was so... 
it's like the perfect movie to do it with because there's so much color there's so much expression it just pops and it just looks amazing like you said the animation the story like it, it's nice to see these you know for years warner brothers said that doing a wonder woman movie was so difficult because it's like they were like hemming and hawing about like how do you approach it in like a modern sense? How do you do this? And but like watching things like Guardians and Spider Verse just kind of blow up that notion that like audiences can't understand it. But like here are these sterling examples that as long as you present it in the correct way, audiences are gonna connect with it. And Spider Verse is again, you're going Guardians was this weird space team, but with this you're talking different versions of the same character. You're talking multiverses mm-hmm. not in a film, not the comics in a film. And it handles it all perfectly. There, there's nothing confusing in this movie. Anybody can watch it and understand what's happening. And that's just the icing on the cake because everything else about it is also fantastic. It's, it's, yeah, I, I agree 100%. It's so, it's so good. And uh, I saw it in theaters. It blew me away because I, I, I saw a trailer. It looked cool. I was like, I'll check it out. But like, I was not prepared for how innovative and insane this movie is visually. And I, I'll go ahead and say it. This is my number one pick. This is uh, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. I have my list as number one because I absolutely <laughs> nice. love this That's movie. That's awesome. And, like, if you put a gun to my head and I had to choose the best comic book movie of all time, like, objectively as possible, I'm going Spider-Verse. Because a lot of movies, especially live action, but just in general, try to capture the look and feel of a comic book on the screen and they they get they take away the wrong lessons and i don't want to beat up on hulk too much but like hulk is a example of really trying to force it and it doesn't make a lot of sense narratively it doesn't enhance your experience but spider-verse is perfect and it does some comic booky stuff some panels but it does it in much other ways so like the, the the feeling of reading a comic book, if I may be so bold to try to capture this, is that you're you're experiencing a story and these great characters, just like any other medium. But at the same time as you're reading it, you're also like admiring this artwork and you're looking at this. You're like, man, a human being put a pencil to page and created this. And you're kind of appreciating the art at the same time you're experiencing the story. And that's very unique to comics. But this movie gave me that feeling with it being an animation and normally, I mean, I'm a huge animation nerd. I love animated films, short films, and usually I tend more uh, trend more towards like the traditional stuff because it kind of gives you that feeling of man, a human being put a pencil to paper. And that's not exactly what this is, but you still see like the innovation and the genius of what the animators did. You mentioned them animating on the twos, which is true. If I'll expand on a little bit because it's not so much that they animated on the twos because most animated movies do that, especially TV shows. It's that they did different frame rates in the same frame. And the best example of this is whenever uh, Peter Parker Prime, I guess we'll call him, and Miles Morales <laughs> are escaping the facility and swinging. Miles throughout this movie is animated on the twos, whereas Spider-Man proper is animated at a full 24 frames per second. So his movements are very smooth, but you've got Miles who's new to this game and just learning it, and he's a little bit more jittery. So like on a subconscious level, you just you get the feeling that he is just a little bit more inexperienced and just seems a little bit off. And they do some stuff, I mean, cut me off whenever. I could talk for hours about this movie, but they (laughs) they do some stuff that is just literally created for this movie like you've never seen it before the frames per second thing is one of them but something as simple as looking at a frame and the 
the background is out of focus because that's how a movie camera works. But the way they make the background out of focus is to have the layers of color slightly off print. If you were to read a comic book, sometimes there's misprints and like the red will be a little bit offset from where the blue is. And they use that to imply that the background is out of focus. So good. And it's things that like, unless you watch the movie many times like I have or watch behind the scenes stuff or pause it and look at it, you don't know that they're doing it when you watch the movie, but it just gives you that feeling. But if you dig into how they do it, it's just genius. It's just genius all the way down. It's got a great soundtrack. Miles Morales is a great character. This wasn't my introduction to him. I... The Ultimate Spider-Man, the comic run, is one of my favorite comic runs of all time. That introduces Miles Morales, so I've always loved the character. But this, I, I know, is a lot of people's introduction to the character, and it's a perfect way to do it. You can't watch this movie and not love Miles, and I think it's it just does right by the character. It's the best Spider-Man movie ever made. I mean, not he said, I think it's the best comic book movie ever made. It's just uh, subverting expectations with Doc Ock. I mean, I could go on and on. It's just everything they did, they just absolutely nailed it and for a new creative team uh, that they assembled to make that it's just unreal what they accomplished i agree i love that you said that uh about the animation because like i don't think they could have made this movie i mean they could have made this movie live action but it would not have been anywhere near as effective as they you know were able to create with this amazing animation uh i love the fact that you brought up um, how Miles was animated differently than like the more experienced Peter Parker because that just adds to his character. He's still learning. Um, he's still kind of trying to learn the ropes from Peter and everything. So I that's just one of the touches of this movie that like you you could not get in any way in like uh, if they did this in a, a live action form. Yeah. Um, so and I really appreciated that. More to and- Andrew's point because he's talking about this movie along with Guardians kind of help prove that you can just you can do anything if it's a good story. Honestly, gonna go for it. I mean, Spider Ham is in the movie. And <laughs> Spider Ham, John Mulaney, like, John Mulaney is, is awesome. fantastic, and the greatest actor of all time, Nicolas Cage, uh, does the voice Nicolas of Cage. Uh, uh, Spider Noir. Uh, they call him. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's man, it's so good. It's just it, it really is true. It. Like I said, it just blows up that notion that anything is, like, too complicated for audiences. Like, you know, it's, it. I understand it's animation, and that gets treated differently, not just by studios, but also audiences. Like, there, there's this kind of inherent bias that if it's animated, it's, you know, that's not, that's a different type of movie. But, like, it's really, first off, that's just nonsense, regardless. But some of the most beautiful films of all time have been animated. But it really just does emphasize and like this is not some mammoth three-hour epic either this is a tight movie it it has its concept it introduces these characters you're up and running pretty quickly and like i said it's not it doesn't need a bloated runtime to get all that across which i think is also one of the movie's strengths is that it doesn't feel the need to be like you know what let's make this three hours let's make this even two and a half i'm pretty sure it's barely two if that but it it's it, it flies in the face of a lot of conceptions that people have about these things and just like I said, it's fantastic. It's one of those ones I when I first saw it, like I was almost on animation overload from seeing it from like some of the scenes that like in the I don't know what the 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 dimension gun that Kingpin had or whatever. Yeah. The big the, the big dimension thing. Like there's so much stuff going on in there and so many things turning in three D and the backgrounds are shifting in and out, like it does kind of perfectly capture like like that comic book feel to it but like my 
my eyes. I must I must be getting old, but like, <laughs> it gets too intense. It gets too intense for me in there sometimes. But no, that is a that is a great great pick right there. That's a uh, that's an instant classic from the first time you see it. Really. Yeah, Andrew mentioned watching it with his lights on his his TV, and it's funny you mentioned that because like when I I got a new Sony 4K to go on my PlayStation. The first movie I watched was Into the Spider Verse. Mm. Any video where somebody is trying out these these Philips Hue lights, they're either every single video I've watched, they're either watching Into the Spider Verse or Thor Ragnarok. Those are like <laughs> exclusively the two movies Perfect. that they seem to use. <laughs> All right, awesome. I love it. Um, Dave, you're up, man. Number I one. Guess, yeah, uh, I guess we're to me then. Um, this one, I guess, I was kind of assuming some people would have this up there, and I, I kind of uh lumped these into one but uh the end of the avengers run avengers infinity war part one and part two avengers endgame um that was kind of a culmination for me um are we allowing this are we fun. allowing this guy to throw two movies i, together I mean for if you're gonna one? make me i mean it's, it's your show gonna... <laughs> <laughs> i will leave i will leave this if you're podcast. gonna make if you're gonna make me pick, I'm a. I'll, I will pick the first one. If you're gonna make okay. me choose, but uh, yeah. no. Growing up reading comics, like the Infinity Gauntlet series, oh, yeah. was like one of one of the giant, like earth shattering things that I read. Where you know everybody gets together and Thanos just kind of plays toys with them, and then you're you're bringing in cosmic beings, and they did. I mean, they obviously had to pare stuff down a lot, you know, to kind of put it into the phases so you kind of know all the characters in it you have a little bit of connection with them Mm -hmm. and then thanos comes in and you know it's everybody against thanos which is kind of like the the uniting rallying cry to save i guess the entire universe um in the books they get i mean they're even crazier with adam warlock which got a shout out in one of the guardians movies and you know you got silver surfer and there's just there's too many things to actually do what they did in the Infinity Gauntlet right. in this, but this one, just the culmination and how all of the Marvel movies kind of tied together so neatly into a nice, this was a nice little pretty little package to put on the end of like this, these three phases give you the introduction, give you the goodbyes to the characters that were kind of finishing their runs through the Marvel universe. But uh, in general, I think just the, the sheer scope and spectacle of the movie is hard to hard to keep up with with um i mean with any any superhero movie i mean i don't know how how big you're going to get how much bigger you're going to get um marvel's got to keep upping upping the ante in phase 4 as they're getting into the internals and stuff like that but uh between this one and i guess uh, in the comics they had you know infinity war and infinity crusade which kind of continue this story the battle over yeah. the infinity gems and stuff like that so this as as a build up i i saw it coming i forget which where where did we first see thanos at the end of uh, end of avengers the first, first avengers. avengers okay yeah, yeah. so we so mm-hmm. we knew Post it was credits. coming I don't know how many years in advance, and it was just this giant buildup over a, a decade of movies, and you know eventually he's coming where you're trying to spot Infinity Gems throughout the movies that you're watching right. over the years and stuff like that. But this one uh, took the cake for me. Um, just as I, it's the sheer magnitude of it, I couldn't I couldn't get past. It's uh, it was it's so much so much comic book in one movie it's you got to kind of see it again to 
you know, you see all the beginning movies leading up to it. You catch the little quips and the little side comments and stuff like that. I mean, you got Rocket and Thor hanging out together. Like, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> it, it's stuff you never thought you'd see on a screen. Like, if you take me back yeah. even 15 years ago. Like, even after Iron Man comes out, if you tell me that we're going to get Endgame as a movie, I'm probably still not believing you. Like, I'm probably still going to be like, yeah, right, right. We we got Iron Man. Let's slow down there, buddy. Like, it sort of see that stuff from the page actually end up on the screen with all of these characters together doing their thing. It's, it's unbelievable to watch. I, I still, like, you get that with Avengers. And I remember watching Avengers and just mm-hmm. being blown away that they managed to do it. But then they just kept upping it to the point where you get to that massive scene in Endgame with the portals. And I just, like you said, the sheer scale of looking at all of those characters on the screen together is just, it's overwhelming. Not in like a, you can't process it way, but just in like, wow, we actually got to this. We actually got to this point where you got the giant lineup of Avengers and you got Cap holding the hammer and saying Avengers Assemble. (laughs) And it's like, it's unbelievable. It's, like you said, on sheer scale... It's, like you said, I don't know how, you, it, it's similar to a thing where you're like, how are they ever going to top that? Can you top that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. And they may not try to, not that they necessarily need to. They, they certainly don't need to do that again. But it's, it's a moment that's going to, I'll remember that portal scene, watching that in a theater with an audience, like, for the rest of my life. That was an unbelievable experience in the theater. Yeah, I mean, you could open up a comic book of a you know like a summer crossover from marvel and you can have a splash page that has that many characters on it and it's cool but you're reading a comic in characters that have existed in that medium for decades and so they can just cross over like that so to get to that point in film that many characters it's absurd and in 10 years like i know it's 20 movies but like that is crazy the mcu is it oddly it doesn't get enough credit for how successful it is. Look at how many other studios have tried to make a shared universe and failed miserably. And, and they just, they just keep on like outdoing themselves. It's insane. Infinity war specifically, I think is MCU's best movie. So like I, that totally respect for that being anybody's number one. I mean, that movie is about as perfect as the MCU. I may ever get, and the bad guy wins at the end, which is so freaking cool. <laughs> and, like, you can say that, like, when you saw it in theaters, you know there's another part coming. You you know the good guys will probably come back and win. But that's not the point. Like, the point is it's telling a compelling story. And, man, if you're not getting misty-eyed when Peter Parker is saying, I'm sorry to Mr. Stark, I mean, it's – you don't have a soul. Like, it's – that ending just is such a gut punch. Even – Watching it now, and I know how it all plays out. It, it goes to credits, and there's no music, and you're just like, what the hell just happened? It's crazy. That actually is what shocked me with Infinity War. Is like, it literally just like cuts to credits, and there's no music. And I was legit like, what? Like, you, you can't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's as close as I probably could ever feel like watching the end of Empire Strikes Back with like out knowing what the story yeah. already is. Like, that's, yeah, that's really what it is. It's an Empire Strikes Back type moment of just like, oh, the... The bad guy, that's not supposed to happen. We don't lose. How did we get here? Like, mm-hmm. this isn't how it goes, but, like, it's 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 a massive accomplishment, especially when you think of mm-hmm. how many of those characters were introduced in, like, the later phases. Like, so how many of those characters are coming, like, almost within the last five years preceding, like, not even from phase one, but, like, it, yeah, it's an unbelievable accomplishment that is, like you just said, 
everyone else is still working to try and try and match to which they haven't to this point yeah or even like guardians who have been around since phase two but they don't cross over with any other story and then even right. guardians volume two they don't cross over with anybody in the southern right. infinity war like everybody's Boom. getting together it's literally a sequel to 20 movies and like how does that even work but they pull it off in game is great too like it respect for having that as a pick as well i the time travel stuff just i have mixed feelings about it's like overall as a movie i just don't think it's as tight as infinity war but the way they wrap up people's stories the portal scene like you mentioned is just an all-time great cinema moment but captain america gets a perfect send-off iron man gets a perfect send-off it's it's pretty incredible what they're able to accomplish with that i agree you start to start tying time travel into things and things start to get a little weird where you know then people start questioning like well why don't you go back and do undo this thing it's and you always know, gonna kinda... be a little messy you just kind of yeah they yeah. they tried to like have their cake and eat it too where they were like we can time travel mm-hmm. but it's not changing anything so like they were trying to like find this very specific workaround to avoid kind of classic time travel tropes but then created sure. whole new ones basically it was a weird <laughs> kind of vicious circle but I also love the beginning of Endgame, though, because Infinity War ends on, like, a freaking downer. And then in Endgame, you just sit in that sadness. Like, Captain America. Chris Evans, my favorite line of his is when he's at the support group and he's telling them we got to move on. And he says it again, like, to himself. Got to move on. Like, he's trying to convince himself that he has to move on. It's just that performance right there is just so, so good. But... I remember watching that in theaters and like they catch up to Thanos in like 10 minutes, chop his freaking head off and then nothing Incredible. comes back and it fades to black. And every single time the slow reveal of five years later, I'm just like, what? The? It's like such a gut punch. It's, it's so <laughs> yep. well done. It is. It is very effective. Um, yeah. Great. Great choice. Can't fault it at all. Yeah. I'll just, I'll reiterate what you guys said. Like, it's just insane how they that they actually pulled it off and like this many characters this many movies over this 10 year span like and it actually paid off in the end is like it's a it's a you know nobody's ever done this before like we've said before and everybody you know dc has tried to do it they tried to rush it didn't work um justice league just mm, didn't quite live up to (laughs) live up to the hype or anywhere near uh avengers but remember the, uh, the what was it the the universal monsters they tried to make that one oh yes. god they, they tried made the twice. mummy movie with tom yeah. they, they made the mummy with twice. tom cruise and it, that was it that was it they tried it They're first like, nope. they tried it first with luke evans and dracula untold and then that flopped and they were like hey, ignore that we're gonna try it with tom cruise now and that didn't work either <laughs> well you can't i don't know maybe i'm not sure like obviously i don't really know behind the scenes like if the one when they started with Iron Man, if like they planned on doing this entire shared universe, but like you can't just come out and announce like, oh, hey, we're doing a shared universe. Like that's not how it works. You kind of got to earn it. You kind of got to earn it up to you know get a few movies under your belt before you can say like, okay, this is building up to something big and a final you know finale at the end. I, um, I think your your so. biggest key is you have to start on the right foot too. Like in Iron Man. Exactly. I rewatched Iron Man recently and I'm like this movie holds up. Like as far as launching your universe, it was a it made money, it was critically well received, it was culturally relevant, exactly. people loved it. Like it made people want to see more. 
And so when you do that, that's and that's the problem almost every other one, is their first installments are almost always like okay at best. It's not mm-hmm. something where anybody leaves that movie going, yeah, I want more of that. It's usually kind of like, eh, if they make another, I'll go check it out. Like the the Godzilla Kong is probably as close as anybody's come to maintaining interest throughout the series, and even that kind of got shaky there for a little while. Um, but yeah, it's it like the very fact they accomplished it at all is Herculean, basically. If Incredible Hulk came out first, no universe fails. You can't yep. start with Incredible Hulk. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, but to, to your point, Eric, though, Iron Man is just it's just a good movie. It's just a good Iron It's not it's trying just, to On its own. Universe. You don't need... You, other than exactly. that stinger with Samuel L. Jackson, which is, you know, post-credits, the movie itself is not building an extended universe. It's just telling a story. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Focus on and your own story yeah. first. Yep. I think that's why it was successful. Um Awesome. I love it. Uh, Andrew, number one. Number What's one yours? is um, with a bullet. There was never a question in my mind that this was number one. Is Superman the movie, 1978, Christopher Reeve, Richard Donner. Mm. Um, I Superman is my guy. I know that's a controversial thing to say in this economy, but um, <laughs> it's it. I've always loved Superman as a character. He's always been the character that I've loved reading i've loved watching all these obviously this was a movie that was made nine years before i was alive um so it's not some so it wasn't in the theaters um but uh you know parents had copies of it watched it all the time as a kid um this movie is just in my head and they released it back in 2018 they put it back in theaters and i actually did get a chance to watch it on the big screen in just a big dolby presentation and i just love watching this movie it's it, it, anytime I hear somebody kind of say that Superman can't be culturally relevant in our time, well, first I point to Chris Evans' Captain America, but then second I point them to this. And I just kind of show them, like, this movie shows everything you need about what Superman is as a character, how he can function, what his place in the world can still be, especially in a world that's fairly cynical. A beacon of optimism is something to be excited about. But just Christopher Reeve's performance alone carries this movie he makes you believe that he's superman um he makes you believe in the duality of clark kent and superman his performance is both of them it's essentially two different performances he's essentially acting as two different people throughout the movie but then he has these scenes of transformation where he goes from clark to superman and you watch him do it in real time his posture changes his tone of voice changes the look on his face changes it's this unbelievable full body transformation where he's not changing into the suit. He's just changing how he's acting as a person. And at that moment, you're just like, oh, wow, it actually totally works. Like that whole, you know, people think the most unbelievable thing about Superman is that people don't realize Clark Kent is Superman, which ignoring like everything else about comics in that statement, because there's so many (laughs) things in comics that make no sense. But it's just a masterclass to me in Superman. And... Superman to me is this amazing character and people like to get bogged down that he's too powerful and I'm like all superheroes are too powerful every single superhero could like crush the planet into dust if they wanted to most of them just don't because that's where they keep all their stuff but it's this (laughs) excellent showcase of what Superman is this idea that even with all these powers there's still this moral compass at the center of it that doing the right thing just because it's the right thing is the mission that's his moral code and they show that getting instilled into him 
uh, through his parents. You got great performances in this movie um, from Glenn Ford as Pa Kent. Um, kind That's of also awesome. showing that moment where Clark realizes his powers can't save everybody when his father dies. But everything about it works for me. It's a movie that makes me cry multiple times. Um, especially now. This was an interesting thing. This is really nothing to do with the movie, but just as you grow as a person, your relationship with movies can change. Um, like the way you view movies at one point in your life is not necessarily the way you view it now. And the last time I watched Superman versus when I rewatched it recently, my personal life has changed. My family is much farther away now um, than they were before. They're thousands of miles away now. So stuff about distant family hits me much differently now than it did before which I think also makes this movie resonate a lot more with me potentially more now at 34 than it potentially did 10 years ago. Um, but all of those things together, but just seeing Superman on the big screen too, in a way that felt real is not the right word, but just that sense of wonder gets instilled in you. Like that scene where he first appears to the public, saving Lois Lane, catching the helicopter, all of that is just... It's all classic Superman, and it just, there's that sense of just being a child and just seeing Superman on the screen, it just, it'll always hit me, and it will always be one of my favorite things to watch pretty much ever. I watch that scene sometimes just on YouTube, just because it's that good, and hmm. it's, yeah, I, I, I could go on, much like Chris could go on about Spider-Verse, I could go on about Superman forever. I think Superman gets a bad rap pretty much on every front when people start talking about Superman and how he can't be interesting. But, um, and that's not even to talk about how like you've got Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. I was in this gonna movie, say who's, who's fantastic. Is he you've the got, best? Is at he this the best point, Lex Luthor. For now, yeah, we've not. No one's really topped him <laughs> at this point. I mean, he's Gene Hackman. At the, this is like Gene Hackman at the peak of his powers. This is like post. Uh, you know, French Connection, the conversation, everything. He's you know, he, right he there. He certainly he's better than Jesse Eisenberg, and he's better than Redacted. <laughs> redacted, yes, for sure. Um, Clancy Brown's a pretty good one, but that's just a voice. Um, but it's and then you've got Jor-El, played by Marlon Brando. Yeah, we could talk about him reading off cards, but it's he's still saying these iconic lines, these iconic speeches, and it's Marlon Brando's voice just giving him that little bit of. As Chris and I like to say, gravitas, um, mm. making them feel like they're really powerful statements. You get your intro to Terrence Stamp's General Zod um, in some of the versions. I don't know if he's in all the versions or not, but just top to bottom, I love this movie. And I love Superman as a character, and no one, as far as I'm concerned, since Christopher Reeve, has really brought it to that level since then that's not to say all the performances since then are not good even great but christopher reeve set a bar that most of the time i feel like is unreachable uh tyler hocklin who's on the superman and lois show right now does a pretty good superman uh henry cavill obviously has the look and a lot of other stuff going for him <laughs> but christopher reeve is this complete package of superman that will never get old to me finn and let's that uh that soundtrack in there, that original oh. like opening like trumpet, uh, that is the John just, Williams I theme. I get, I get chills. Always I get chills when I hear that. I we use that as my uh, introduction during my wedding. Oh, nice! Me and my wife's coming That's out awesome. the first time. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it is that iconic where we had to use it. It's like John Williams. He, he does have. I John Williams is just he's got so much, 
so much that that man has put out that it's just, iconic it's themes in his sleep. It's ridiculous. But is that the one? I see. Now I start to get. I had Superman two written down as like an, an honorable mention because of the whole the old General Zod, I believe, was all that one. Um, is no, General Zod number? is mostly Superman two. Je- Superman is, two? is yeah. Lex Luthor's uh, real est- The first time Lex Luthor does a real estate scheme, so it's not old. Mm. <laughs> it's not old and recycled <laughs> at that point. It's the first time he tries doing it. Um, but it really it plays. And, and I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie that there's some over the top. You know. He, reverses the rotation of the earth and it takes time backwards like i was gonna i, I yeah. still can't defend that like I can't, i'm like i don't know what's happening there just whatever but that idea of like putting superman in impossible situations and all of that that's classic lex luther and um but yeah we get and it's interesting that like this was also like for the most part superman and superman 2 were like shot back to back like for the most part so yeah. like and then this is like 78 this is way before lord of the rings this is long before that was a thing so um, there's a whole lot of groundbreaking stuff in this movie that, yeah, it doesn't really get talked about enough. But it is still the cream of the crop as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I didn't see Superman until this year for the first time. But, of course, I've always heard about it. It's just part of part pop culture. <laughs> and my biggest takeaway, I mean, people I've always heard, oh, Christopher Reeve, he's Superman. He'll never be topped. And I kind of just assumed, like, well, you know, it's what you grew up with. It's the first one that you saw, so of course you're going to feel that way. Some people say Michael Keaton's the Batman because that's the one they grew up with. But then I watched the movie, and, like, no, this is, like, an insanely good performance. Like, superhero or not, it is... Uh, he is Superman in a way that people say Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, but he did it from day one, from like his first movie. It's just insane. And the most impressive thing is that he is legitimately playing two characters. Superman and Clark Kent are totally different performances. One of my, my favorite scene to point to that is whenever he's at Lois's apartment. And I can't remember if it's in Superman 1 or 2, Andrew can correct me, but he's in Lois's apartment and she's in the other room and he's considering telling her the truth and he's dressed as clark kent but he's thinking about saying he's superman he takes off his glasses and he straightens his posture and in the camera he transforms from one character to another and ultimately decides not to do it puts his glasses back on and shrinks back down to clark kent and the, the way he's able to do that it's not like a special effect it's just pure acting baby pure skill it's just <laughs> it's, it's unreal what he's able to do it's a insanely good performance you gotta give it up to Margot too. Margot Kidder as Lois Lane in the oh, movie. Oh yeah, that's just it, that movie's got a tremendous cast. Like everybody in that movie is all the main characters. Some of the you know you don't Mark McClure as Jimmy Olsen isn't something you're really writing home about. But um, but overall the movie like every major character Hackman, Kidder, Reeve, they're all bringing it in spades. It's fantastic performances across the bar board. It, it it's funny talking about Superman as a character because you're right like. It's funny because haters will be like, he's all-powerful, and he's just always optimistic and hopeful. And then people that love Superman will be like, he's all-powerful. He's optimistic and hopeful. Like, yeah. That's, that's like why they, I love they him. They like, like him and hate him they, for the exact same reasons. <laughs> yeah. To, I mean, to, ha- to have the abilities of Superman and choose to be a good person and use the powers to help everyone, especially the working class, that what – how – how could he be any more of a superhero? Like that is the exactly. definition of being a superhero. See, Chris, Chris is with me all the way. He gets it. Part of it, I just actually recently read the Superman Red Sun series. Uh, so good. And that right? one is kind of that's kind of interesting too because it shows like what happens if 
you know, Superman lands in Russia instead of Kansas. And that, yeah. like, he kind of comes up and ends up having, I don't know, I wouldn't say the same morals or stuff, something like that, but he's got, he's got the same uh, feeling of he's got to do good for, the, like, the people around, do what's best for everyone rather than. Yeah, he, you know, he has that kind of, that watershed moment where he's like, am I the bad guy? Like, he's, like, got this moment of, like, he's like, are we the baddies? Like, he realizes that, like, he very well might be on the wrong side of this. So it shows that, like, even if you put Superman into a different environment completely, there is still this sense of morality that's going Mm -hmm. to appear. Like, there's still this sense of, like, I'm doing more harm than good, like, that is going to overtake him. And also, that's the best alternate universe version of Batman in any comic ever um batman cough um his hat (laughs) his like winter hat with the bat ears it's tremendous but um but yeah um but yeah i love that superman red sun is not just the best thing that mark miller has ever written but i think it's a great testament to like like you said just the nature of the character and how Mm -hmm. even if you put him somewhere else the end of the day he's still gonna kind of be superman even though it's like a what if tale and it's a side story it's not canon whatever you want to call it it still becomes one of the best Superman stories. I mean, I'm not going to, I like, I'm the end all be all of Superman, but it's a top Superman story despite all those changes because of what it says about the character that he is just exactly. inherently good. And it displays that in such a way. And then I won't spoil the end of the comic for anybody, but like, as if that wasn't enough, it has this interesting ending that makes it a. Well, I just said I won't spoil it, so I guess I shouldn't have even brought it up. But yeah. <laughs> there's a nice little twist at the end that just didn't need to happen. It's just icing on the cake. It's just cool storytelling there at the end. If you're, if anybody is looking for an intro to Superman, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Superman Red Sun. Yep. Well, that would be me. Yes. Because I don't have a ton of experience with the Superman character. But like you guys said, his inherent morality um, and just in his inherent goodness um, is kind of refreshing. Uh, it's kind of contrasting because we watched invincible for an episode uh a while ago and it's contrasting with omni-man because like they pretty much have the same superman and omni-man kind of have the same powers but they're completely opposite characters morality wise (laughs) um like omni-man views himself as a god like greater than all of these humans the humans to him are kind of nothing they're just kind of playthings for him Mm -hmm. and um Superman doesn't look at humans that way. No. Um, he kind of looks at them as equals, and that is a, a really great aspect. His empathy his for other people is actually probably his biggest weakness. Like, when people talk about how nothing can hurt Superman. It's like, well, no, but you put him in impossible situations. That's like, you know, you know it's, a very, it's a weird thing because I don't read comic book stories, and, like, while I'm reading them go, well, this doesn't make any sense. He's more powerful than that. Like, it's never... That's never what crosses my mind, the power level or how so it's it's that's never what draws me into the story. But it's it's always interesting to see that. And like stuff like Invincible or The Boys kind of really does illustrate that um, you know, when you remove the morals from Superman and you kind of turn them into sociopaths, just how horrifying that is, which is all the more annoying when they try to be like, We're gonna do an evil <laughs> Superman movie. I'm like, we aren't we don't need to do this. We've 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 got that covered by a variety of places at this point. Let's just let Superman be Superman. It's it's such a weird like let's change a core part of the character. It's like Right. <laughs> it's a Batman movie, but he's uh he's just a millionaire, so his gadgets aren't as like what do we do? Like <laughs> what? It's like why? I don't understand. But but yeah. Superman the movie. Can't 
always going to be probably will always be the top of my list awesome yeah that's a fantastic pick um all right it's down to me for my number one um bring it home no pressure this i've this one's gonna be a little bit controversial um and i know it's not everybody's favorite but this is kind of like a pure nostalgia pick for me um so my number one superhero movie is sam raimi's spider-man 2 you built that up like it was going to be way worse. <laughs> um, like, okay. I was expecting I was expecting you to legit pull out Catwoman or something like that. No, nothing that crazy, nothing that bad. Um, but it's funny because I was actually listening to uh, your guys' uh, Spider-Man 3 episode right before I was, uh, right before we started recording this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I know Chris isn't a huge fan of the Raimi Spider-Man movies, but um, this one for me, uh, so I saw Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man it came out back in 2002, so I was, I mean, I was seven years old. Um, so, <laughs> so old. <laughs> I, I saw this one in theaters, um, and it's funny because uh, 2002 was the same year that Attack of the Clones came out, and I was like oh, ob- yeah. obsessed with Star Wars at that time um, when I was a kid. So, uh, my dad was taking my brother and I to see a movie, and I like, I really wanted to see Attack of the Clones, um, but. My brother and my dad were like, eh, we're not really into Star Wars, so we ended up seeing Spider-Man, um, the first Spider-Man, and I was actually, I, I don't know, I was like blown away. My seven-year-old mind was blown away by that first movie, um, <laughs> so I mean, I had a great time with that movie, but I think Spider-Man 2 is really took that formula from the first one and kind of uh, perfected it. Um, I mean, we could... We don't have to talk about Spider-Man 3. It's kind of made a resurgence, like you mentioned in the episode, with like its memeability and like Bully Maguire, all that good stuff. But as a movie itself, Spider-Man 3 is not uh, the best. So out of that trilogy, Spider-Man 2 is definitely my favorite. Um, and the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans was really my first introduction to Spider-Man as a character, uh, which... It's kind of a weird introduction because they did change some like core stuff about the character in those movies. They took a little bit liberties liberties there with the character, like the whole like web shooters thing. Like I did not know that they the webs actually didn't come out of his wrists until much later after I saw those movies. <laughs> like it's weird That's that okay. they changed that aspect of it. So like, so many people. I remember seeing like the Dark Knight. Or it coming out, my stepdad was like, D- "But didn't the Joker kill his parents?" Or, or Batman Begins? Like, did the Joker kill-? like so many people actually think that because of the popularity of Batman eighty nine, that being people's introduction to the character. So yeah, I mean that's. I totally have a friend. I had a friend that specifically didn't like Dark Knight because he thought changing that part of Batman's origin was bad. He was like, "Joker's <laughs> supposed," to, or Batman Begins. He was like, "It's like Joker's supposed to kill his parents. What's going on here?" And I was like, "You sweet summer child." <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny um On, hot take i i i kind of prefer organic webbing i think the the dumbest cool. thing about spider-man is that you create a character with the abilities of the spider and you don't give him the ability to shoot web which is the number one thing spiders are known for it's just so goofy but i have no problem with that organic web change yeah i i'm with you there i think it's weird that like a 16 17 year old kid could come up with something like web shooters it's just yeah. The, I we mean, find parts for this. But not so much <laughs> right. fries, man. Exactly. Like, I mean, I mean, I know he's I a smart he's kid, really but smart yeah. All, but yeah. I mean, but it's I probably like, the I most like the, the most web. unrealistic thing about Spider-Man is that he made it. Absolutely. 
That's the one. It's thing the web shooter. There's nothing else about him. <laughs> no. How is how his powers work through his shoes? Is not at all the biggest question I have. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Those are those are Jordans, man. How are those sticking to the wall? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at the time, I mean, at the time these movies came out, like, um, this, I mean, obviously this was before like the MCU and all that stuff. Superhero movies weren't really at that time in the early two thousands, um, really all that popular or mainstream. They weren't making them that much. Um, right. So I think Stan Raimi's Spider-Man kind of re kind of kickstarted that the whole, uh, superhero, um, reemergence in cinema, which I thought was awesome. Um, and it, I, the, a lot of my, the reason why I like this movie ties into, um, the Spider-Man 2 video game, actually. Like, oh, I, yeah. I was just gonna say that. Like, I, I can't tell you how many hours of that game that I played just not even doing the, the main missions, just kind of swinging around New York. Um, and, and all I, the suits in that game, like, yeah, blew my mind as a kid. Yeah, it was insane. Um, like that game really did make you feel like Spider-Man and, that was kind of probably the best video game tie into a movie ever created. Um, and like that really, uh, introduced me to the character of Spider-Man and got me to love him. Um, and like the movie itself, I think Peter, Peter's character in that movie, um, is kind of learning how to balance his home life is, you know, he gets a job at the pizza place. He's, uh, going to school. So you kind of see him, kind of trying to balance all these different things um, and balance his everyday life. Uh, there's a scene where he um, is clearly trying to, is getting evicted from his apartment. So like he, he's, uh, he's suffering in a lot of different ways. And then like the stress of being Spider-Man, he actually starts to lose his powers. Like there's just, uh, it kind of just builds on top of each other throughout this entire movie. And I think the, the villain with Albert uh, Molina as Doc Ock was incredible. Like he's kind of the star of the show in this movie. Um, oh yeah, Alfred Molina's the, the the Mark Strong of that movie for sure. Absolutely. Yep. I was just gonna bring that up. Um, but yeah, uh, I like I said, this is kind of a nostalgia pick for me. I I honestly haven't watched this movie in. I can't tell you how long, but I remember watching it a lot as a kid, and I really want to do a rewatch of it because I want to see if it sure. holds up. Because um, I don't know I don't, how well I don't it holds think, up. I don't think you need these qualifiers about it being a nostalgia pick. I mean, Roger Ebert, to bring him up again, his two favorite superhero movies are Superman the movie and Spider-Man 2, both of y'all's number one picks. I mean, he, he called oh, wow. this movie the best superhero movie since Superman the movie. And it's... it's I. I'm not hot on the Raimi movies, but I recognize I'm an outlier in that, and I don't think people are crazy for liking them. They're just not quite my speed, but I I can't deny Alfred Molina is, I mean, him as Doc Ock is one of the all-time great villain castings in all the superhero movies. That's undeniable and the first time i saw that train sequence with the train i was gonna bring up the train sequence throwing people off the train and spider-man catching with those webs i mean that was that was one of the coolest things i've ever seen in a superhero movie at the time i think uh yeah the train scene is really when um uh that version of peter parker kind of gets his hero moment you know um saving all those people on the train and like that scene is just incredible it it gets me every time because like when he uh, he stops the train successfully and he just kind of passes out and the people of New York finally accept Spider-Man as their hero, um, they kind of pick him up and carry him uh, uh, throughout the 
throughout the crowd of the train. Put his mask back on. All puts his mask back. Yeah, it's just a fantastic scene. One of my favorites in that movie. I I think what kind of happened with Spider Man, it's I think there's a a a group of people. I don't know if you call it a generation, but I think Spider Man was really kind of a Superman the movie moment for some people. Where like you know we're coming off of this kind of void of superheroes. We've gotten X-Men in 2000, but X-Men's like, it's leaning into the darker side of things. It's kind of pushing itself away from like the wonder, the sense of wonder and kind of the fantastic aspects of comics, kind of trying to push it more into like a, hey, the X-Men are like dark and cool. But with Spider-Man, you really get a movie that's just very comic booky. It's It's leaning into what is all on the page. So you've got a costume that's pretty accurate. You've got the character acting in line with what he's expected to be at. And you've got wild, ridiculous things happening. And again, live action, we'd not really seen that before. Spider-Man to that point in live action had been kind of hit or miss. I admit to being a huge fan of the the Japanese Sentai uh, Spider-Man show where he's got a giant robot for no reason. But... um. But, like, that stuff's, like, you know, that's not even Peter Parker. It's a completely different version. For but no like, reason. For no reason. It's because it's freaking awesome. <laughs> 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 it's, there is no greater reason than because it's awesome. But, like, it's... So to see Spider-Man brought to the screen in that kind of way with an eye towards keeping it in line with what it is, I don't think it's wrong or strange or weird to get like caught up in that especially with spider-man 2 where it feels like they finally like worked out the kinks and we kind of have a bit more we have a villain that looks a bit more in line with how he's supposed to look versus willem dafoe who again the greatest actor of our time (laughs) costumes a little over the top but um so to kind of merge all that into spider-man 2 where you get to kind of just watch him be spider-man for a whole movie with the burdens and all the stuff that comes with it i think it creates that sense of wonder watching it that sense of like wow like this is spider-man on the big screen and it's awesome like it's to that point something that we hadn't seen before the idea of putting this all on the big screen was really kind of ridiculous and maybe a two maybe a few years too early because you can that definitely some of that cg looks a little a little rough but <laughs> overall it's it's just awesome to see it and it's stuff you'd never seen before and and it was from Sam Raimi, who was obviously coming at it with a good deal of respect for the for the character. And so I, yeah, there you you do not need all the qualifiers for this. Spider Man Two being your pick as number one is not something most people are going to even blink at. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more common for my generation, like you said, Andrew. Like this was kind of my generation's moment growing up, seeing Spider Man for the first time on the big screen, um, and just having that superhero to kind of latch onto. Um, and it, it kind of came at like the perfect time in my life where, um, I mean, I was seven years old when the first one came out. The second one came out two years later, 2004. So I was nine years old when the second one came out. So that was like the perfect, perfect age for me for something like this. And then, like I said, like I mentioned before, like the video game tie-in just kind of strengthened my love for that character, that version of the character and that movie itself so it came out kind of in that in that perfect time in my life oh yeah and even for us as adults like that was still kind of the first time we'd seen live action spider-man so even chris and i certainly have peers that regard that movie specifically very highly so it's not not even strange at all for the for the the half generation in front of you either 
Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the 90s animated show that was Spider-Man to me. So, yeah, to see that translated, just that in and of itself was pretty cool. And, you know, X-Men technically came out first, came out in 2000, and kind of proved that, like, a comic book adaptation could be a successful movie, and it's a big deal. But Spider-Man two years later proved that a superhero movie could be a genre, and we haven't started getting them since. That movie made over $700 million at the box office, which in 2002 is insane. And this is before Hollywood had large uh, openings in China, which is how they get these billion-dollar grosses now worldwide. So even with the limited release compared to now, adjusting for inflation, it is absurd how much money that movie made. It changed everything. I remember reading a quote from Stan Lee talking about the opening of Spider-Man, how big of a deal it was. And he said the one thing that he uh, was sad about is that Bill Finger couldn't be there with him, Bill Finger being a co-creator of Batman, because they went to the opening of Batman together in Batman 89. And like seeing the line on the block was a big deal. And uh, Bob Kane, I'm sorry, I see you looking at me. Bob Kane's the one that died by that time, not Bill Finger. Uh, they went to Stan Lee and Bob Kane went to Batman together and Stan Lee going to see Spider-Man without Bob Kane. He said that was the one thing he wished because Spider-Man was like that big of a deal as Batman 89. Just a insane blockbuster that it seems commonplace now. Uh, a super movie to make that much money. But in 2002, it was unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Bill Finger died in 1974, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I mixed up my co-creators. I I corrected it. Bill Finger's the more important one anyway. That's true. But whatever I I say on our podcast that Andrew was like a comic book expert, like all this ridiculous stuff he's spitting out throughout this episode. Like if anybody thinks that that's because he does a lot of research and stuff for our show, he he just knows all this stuff. It's just in his head (laughs) riding around. You guys would be annoyed at how... You guys would be annoyed at how little research I actually do for our show. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, Yeah, that... Was a lot of superhero talk. That was really fun. It was. Um, mm. I'm sad we didn't get to talk about the Dark Knight at all. Um, I thought for, I thought for sure. I mean, I would have picked Batman Begins no matter what because of my feelings I, for it. But I, was I was struggling. Like, Somebody will mention Dark Knight. It'll come up. So it was you know, very plenty close. Plenty of people have talked about Dark Knight before. We don't need to go there again. It was my runner-up for number three. It was very close between ah, okay. Guardians and Dark Knight, um, and Guardians edged it out a little bit, but. Should we run through a few honorable mentions? I have a few here, and we don't need to go yeah, as deep as we've been. But, like, Dark Knight, real quick, Heath Ledger's Joker, if you called it the best performance in any superhero movie ever, especially for a villain, no arguments. And it's absurd that Jack Nicholson was so iconic, and Heath Ledger was also iconic for the same character in a totally different way. Like, it's very rare that happens. Um, and then and then Jared Leto tried. <laughs> and it was uh. successful. <laughs> But uh, obviously, it's an honorable mention for me, but also Logan, which I was kind of surprised didn't come up. Oh, yeah. But I rank that very highly. I I mean, it's Hugh Jackman's peak as the character. Perfect send-off. I love, as well as The Wolverine, which I think is a little underrated, but I love that it is a comic book movie, but he's not saving the world. He's not even saving like a town. It is a personal story. It's a character-driven story, which we see so rare in these movies. Uh, keeping the stakes so low, and I love the movie for that. And it's a, uh, it's awesome. I'll hit a couple. I guess I'm next in the in sure. the circle of people. Um, uh, on the same X Men note, I just I mean, just the X Men movies didn't get. A, I mean, they didn't age terribly well. Those first couple that came out in the early 2000s. Um, 
I feel like they're kind of cheesy now when you go back and look at them. Uh, but some of the reboots that they did, uh, Days of Future Past and First Class and all those ones, uh, growing up, I think X-Men were my uh, primary uh, comic book reading and just seeing a lot of those characters come to life, seeing the school, seeing Xavier put together the team for the first time and a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, how him and Magneto, they're, they're always going to be going back and forth. I mean, it's kind of uh, a crucial crux of the uh, whole X-Men kind of persona of the whole series. But I definitely uh, grew up with, the, the again, the 90s animated show was a big deal for me and my family yeah. growing up. And I remember my brother telling me, like, dude, they're making a movie. Guess who's playing Professor Xavier? I was like, who? It's, it's the bald guy from Star Trek. I was like, oh, that's perfect. He looks just <laughs> like him. It is. <laughs> Great casting. I yeah, Patrick Stewart was fantastic in those. So, um, and then I guess yeah, Hugh Jackman kind of took over, took over as Wolverine and kind of ran with it. And those, I mean, all those movies are, I, I think they're pretty fantastic as well. So, I think that's it for me. I don't get into too much other random, <laughs> random side stuff. Well, I I really only have uh, there's probably a couple honorable mentions, but the one that I have to mention and it barely counts because the comic is something nobody's read, but Mystery Men will for always and forever be one of my favorite comic book movies. I, I, I put that in quotes because, like, this was one of those things that was, like, a comic book adaptation, but, like, kind of barely. Like, the Mystery Men comic is not some decades-long franchise that has existed in a variety of forms, but I love that movie. It's 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 got a fun style. It's got a fun look. The cast is great. That's where Smash Mouth's All-Star originates. Not Shrek. It's in Mystery yep. Men. Oh, nice. Know your history, people. Do your research. Um, <laughs> the more you know. It's not Shrek. It's ours. But no, Mystery Men is just great. I will, uh, Ben Stiller, William H. Macy, Hank Azaria, in one of his kind of, at the time, rare live-action roles. Um, I mean, Jeffrey Rush is Castor Frankenstein. Greg Kinnear. Everybody in that movie is fantastic casted perfectly to a t um if you've never seen it i think it legit is just a movie that came like 10 15 years too early i think of a movie like that if that movie came out in like 2012 like right in the midst of like all this superhero stuff taking off i think that movie would have been a massive hit um it's kind of to it almost comparable to like Something like how Galaxy Quest is to Star Trek movies. That's kind of how I would think Mystery Men works for superheroes. It's not really necessarily a parody, but it really is just an approach that was still so fresh. Like, it's a movie that's still... Nothing else is really quite like it. Um, so, yeah, that's I'll, I'll leave it at that. But Mystery Men is pretty much always going to be another one of my, my personal favorites. Uh, Runner-up for me, like I said, Dark Knight. Um, we talked about a little bit. Uh, Heath Ledger's... I think his magnum opus, like, and it's, it's even like, it's so sad that he died right after that. Um, and I think it makes the story of that character, like just that much better is that that's the last thing he's ever did. And I think, I mean, that's his greatest performance that he's ever done. So, um, I think leaving it at that as his last performance is, you know, is just incredible. Uh, another one, Thor Ragnarok. We oh, talk, yeah. talked about I, it a little bit. Uh um like you said got that that guardians humor um it's just a great movie it's just great a great time it's it's fun super fun the dynamic between the thor and hulk is just awesome um 
awesome movie just to throw on just for something fun. Like it's it's not yeah. even it's not even just a good superhero movie. It's just a just a fun movie all around. Um, I agree. And we talked about uh, Infinity War a little bit, but that's another one that was right up there um, with my top with my top top. So uh, I yeah. also got to mention Captain America: Winter Soldier. I I have to throw that one out there just because that's definitely the movie where Chris Evans became Captain America to me. And it it just still that movie slaps hard. Absolutely. If I didn't have Spider Verse on my list already, the Amazing Spider Man Two would have been on my list. I will yeah. not answer questions at this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no further questions. <laughs> I won't argue there. I I like the Amazing Spider Man movies. Um. All right. Yeah. That's that's a lot of superhero talk. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll play a game of what we call Word. Word. Uh oh. And we are back. We talked a lot about superheroes, but now it's time to get down to business and do a game of what we call Word. Word. Um. So word. Word. So I'll explain the explain the rules here. Um, so basically, I am going to read a list of words, um, one by one, and you guys have to guess. I'll just give you a hint. These are going to be all movies, um, and the, there's a theme here. So Ooh, these are all I don't words. Really no movies. Watch a lot of movies. <laughs> It'll be tough. These are all words relating to those movies, um, and then if you think you know it, you can buzz in with your name and take a shot in the dark um and if you guess wrong you're locked out until i read the next word um so it's as simple as that i'm gonna read a list of words um if you think you know what buzz in and that's it how many so total what? words there are five so if it was it was it, my understanding there was no math um <laughs> <laughs> there are five movies um so if we end up with like a two to two to one thing, I'll come up with a tiebreaker. But these should be, I, I think these are going to be quick. Um, I didn't so make them too hard. So as soon as you give hard. a new word, we can buzz in again. We're just locked out. Exactly. Oh, okay. So each yes. word is a different thing. Each word is, yes. Okay. All right. Um, so and yeah. we say First our own one. name to buzz in. You say your own name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> exactly. Not, not the name Don't of our say Chris. president. Okay. <laughs> Okay, um, are we ready for the first one? And there is there is a theme here. I try, like I said, I tried to make it fair. I didn't want to make them too hard, so this might go quick. I'm hoping it does, but we'll see. Um, all right, are we ready for the first one? Yes. Yes. Right. I am ready. Okay, round one. The first word is healing. Chris. Healing. Yes, Chris. Logan. Incorrect. I was just saying my last name. It's Chris Logan. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> that was my guess. That was my guess. Uh, I see where you're going with that, too. Um, Do you want to take a guess, or should I move on? Uh, you can go. I'll pass. Okay. Uh, I mean, free free guess. Next one, you can buzz in again. So, so if you want the, to. the hint is healing, and this is referring to a film. Exactly. Listen to Andrew Stalling. Hint is healing. It's referring, referring to a film. A film <laughs> is a movie you see in the cinema. 
You buy a ticket to go. Okay, I'll move on. Uh, yeah, one. I got nothing. The next word is experiment. Experiment. Dave, is Dave? this is this X Men Two? Incorrect. Mm. Andrew. Yes, Andrew. I'm gonna go with Captain America: The First Avenger. Incorrect. X Men Origins: Wolverine. Incorrect. Mm. <laughs> we'll move on to the next one. Um, I got tunnel vision. This isn't good. <laughs> the next word is revenge. Revenge. Healing, experiment, revenge. Let's see. Yep. Healing, experiment, revenge. Gust X Men 2. We've Gust Logan. Chris. He's going to finish off yes. the trilogy and say the Wolverine. That is incorrect. I just want to say those three words also apply to the Wolverine. They so they do. <laughs> I th- I think they the next do. word That's is going to be uh the, is going to be the the kicker here. So it might be a speed a speed thing. So these okay, never mind. I'm just stalling again. Um healing, experiment and revenge. Out of guess. If it's not the say what I'm thinking. Not, it's not the Logan ones. I don't know. I don't know. I'll wait for the next. All right. All right. Moving on yeah. to the next one. Moving on to the next one. The f- next word is cancer. Chris. Chris. Deadpool. That is correct. Uh, there, it is. there it is. Good job. One point. One point for Chris. It only took me four guesses. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens next now? <laughs> we can move on to the next one. Oh, so there's five groups of five. Five. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. Now I got it. Yep, so Chris has one point. Um, so you get a point for each correct guess. All right. Uh, all right, moving on to the next movie. The first word is brother. Dave. Thor Ragnarok. Yes, Dave. How did you get that? <laughs> yes. I thought it was going to be a Hulk Hogan movie. That oh. was correct. I was, I was thinking Good earlier job. about what that's what made... Ragnarok kind of cools because you got like to see the brother interaction between the two of them, between Loki and Thor, and kind of build a little bit on that relationship. So, yep. ding ding, that is correct. Ding ding for Dave. Uh, all right, one, one for Chris, one for Dave, zero for Andrew. This is your time. This is your time, Andrew. It the was not. Year. It was not. In fact, his time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, here we go. Third movie. First word. Future. Future. Uh, It's a a broad one, but... Yes, Dave. Uh, I'll say X-Men Days of Future Past. Incorrect. Mm. That seems like a bit of a gimme. Um, I would have been so disappointed in you, Eric, if you put the title in the... I wouldn't put the word, you know, the word in the title. I'm just just checking. (laughs) Second word. Past. (laughs) (laughs) makes me feel like i'm on like the hundred thousand dollar pyramid that's yeah kind of what we chris dread incorrect but i like i like the guess building up anticipation for you telling me i was incorrect (laughs) i know you know listeners can't can't see this but eric just stared into my eyes in the webcam (laughs) (laughs) let me sit in my guess for a while i got nothing 
All right. Um, moving on to the next one. Um, road trip. Andrew? Yes, Andrew. Is this Logan? This is Logan. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Very good. There's you can see the theme forming here. Yes. Just a little bit. Perfect. Awesome. It's 1-1-1. One, one, one. Tie game here. Which makes me a little nervous that I'm going to have to come up with a tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get there if we get there. Um, okay. Awesome. The next movie, fourth movie, the first word is sequel. Well, that narrows it down. <laughs> Given <laughs> the <angry>. category, <laughs> this is a pretty widespread, but okay. All right. Andrew. Yes, Andrew. X-Men 2. Incorrect. It's worth a shot. <laughs> Chris. Yes, Chris. X-Men 3. <laughs> no. <laughs> Incorrect. I'll fall in line. I'll, I'll throw one out there. Uh, I'll guess Avengers Age of Ultron. No. Incorrect. I was about to be really mad if that was correct. So. <laughs> Collusion. Um. Okay. Does everybody agree Second the word. farm scene is the best scene in that movie? Yes. I don't really do it too much. You said, you know, the Winter Soldier was when Chris Evans became Captain America. For me, it's when he rips a log in half with his bare hands. <laughs> I was like, all right. That's yeah. My, all right. That's my I, I, I got to give you that that's, one. That's my Chris Evans right there. <laughs> uh, okay. Second word is money. The reason for every single sequel. To make more mm. money. <laughs> sequel and money. This is where Lex Luthor and his lucrative uh, real estate, real estate schemes. schemes come but into those play. Are all, those are all in, yeah. <laughs> it's not really in sequels, though. Um, Chris. Yes, Chris. Batman v. Superman. Dawn of <laughs> Justice. That is incorrect. Okay, but <laughs> it took so long to say it. I thought it helped me somehow. That one's just fresh for you guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Real fresh. <laughs> I was. It didn't meet financial expectations. Was where I was going with that. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Moving on to moving on to the third word. Um, henchman. Chris. Yes, Chris. The Dark Knight. Oh, that is the Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, that is the Dark Knight. Bye. Yep, so that's a point for Chris. And I immediately thought of the big pile of money in the Dark Knight. I'm like, son of a bitch. That's where... <laughs> this could also apply to Heat. Well, not the sequel part, but, you know, Henchman and Money. Same. Henchman and Money, yeah, you're still on the <laughs> I mean, it's there. the same oh. movie. It really <laughs> is. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, like They the even sound... look the same. The sound of the gunshots are the same. Like the really loud gunshots echoing in the street. The 18-wheeler mm-hmm. in an action scene. Two characters on opposite ends of the spectrum that have a weird mutual respect for each other that meet halfway through the movie and then they get at the climax. It's the same movie. Not a bad thing. Like, it's cool. Oh, yeah, Pet Batman and Heat. That's a cool idea. But, uh, you know, if you've never seen Heat, if you've seen The Dark Knight or vice versa, check it out. It's a fun experiment. Absolutely. Um, awesome. All right. So Chris has two. Dave has one. Andrew has one. So we could end in a tiebreaker here, but that's okay. I got I got something if we do. Um, the 
last movie, the first word is sacrifice. Andrew. Yes, Andrew. Hellboy. That is incorrect. Uh, Dave? Sacrifice. Yes, Dave. Uh, Spider-Man 2? That is incorrect. Mm. <laughs> Let's see. Is Creed on the soundtrack to any of these? Because that's all I'm hearing in my head right now. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I guess I may as well take a guess. Nothing to lose. Sacrifice. Go for it. Well, clearly, Eric, given the theme of this game... And given that word that you gave as a clue, the answer, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, it has, it has to be, uh, uh, Batman 89. <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> that has to be the answer, though. Unfortunately, it is not the answer. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on to the next one. Um, last... What could that mean? Last. 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 You haven't even seen Batman 89. Of course I was. I don't know why I said that. Of course I was. <laughs> Last. Andrew. Yes, Andrew. X-Men Dark Phoenix. Incorrect. Ooh, good guess, though. Dave. I think I got this one. Yes, Dave. It is Avengers Endgame. It is Avengers ah. You said the names nice. weren't in the title. Oh, last. Last is not the same. Ah. <laughs> Avengers last game. Avengers last game. <laughs> okay. All right. So we do have a tie here. Um, so I am going to come up with a quick tiebreaker here between Chris and Dave, since they both have two. Sorry, Andrew. I hate Lose. you all. It's fine. um okay i got a sweet peanut butter and jelly sandwich with my name on it screw you guys (laughs) i'm jealous you're peanut butter and jealous yeah hey crunchy crunchy and strawberry i hope he's the one guy strawberry yes he's the one guy here that's not a dad we can't let him get away with this (laughs) making jokes like that okay just came up with this one on the fly, so here we go. This is the tiebreaker between Chris and Dave. Um, the first word is violence. Staple of any violence. of any good superhero movie is <laughs> lots of violence. Chris. Yes, Chris. Watchmen. That is incorrect. Dave, got anything? Um... I'll guess V for Vendetta. <laughs> oh, I like that guess, but no, unfortunately, it's not correct. Mm. Um, the next move or next movie, the next word is alien. Mm. Alien, violence, and alien. A violent alien going on here. <laughs> huh. I have a guess, but I'm out, so I'm, it doesn't matter. I have a, <laughs> I have a thought. Um. I'll guess, Dave. Uh, Superman Returns? Incorrect. I think it's the wrong Superman, though. Nah. I mean, Chris. Yes. Man of Steel. I don't know why I buzzed in. It's just me left. But... <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that is incorrect. I think that's um, what I was thinking about, yeah. 
the next word is antihero. Chris. Yes, Chris. This movie is Venom. Ding, ding, ding. Hey. Chris, good oh, job, man. Nice. Got it with that Venom. Was not, that was not my guess, so good for you, Chris. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Well earned. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy space Chris camp. is going to space camp. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well played. Well and played, again, guys. that's a camp in space, right? Yes, exactly. I will be aware of any black goo I come across and try not to bring it back with me. Or that red. is probably a good idea. <laughs> any color goo, really, you should just avoid it. <laughs> just any avoid space any goo, goo is probably not good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. You just start. Yeah. You just start getting more and more names that sound like obscure metal turtles, bands from Norway. Green goose. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that was really fun, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, talking about superheroes. Time. I'm glad you guys had a great time. Um, please, uh, Chris, can you can you plug your amazing podcast? Um, tell people where they can find you uh, on social, all that good stuff. Best of the Rest is the name of the podcast. It's available at any, wherever you get your podcast. You'll find ours. Just search Best of the Rest. You'll know it's our show because you'll see Andrew's face on there, done up as Green Lantern. I'm on the cover with my Jared Leto Joker makeup, keeping a theme <laughs> with the uh, theme of our show. Again, each week we take a look at a superhero movie that was poorly received upon release, but we're only talking about the positives, much like we did on this episode, except it's usually more challenging <laughs> to come up with positives with the movies that we cover. Um uh, we had a Halloween episode about to release. It's on Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Uh, but you can look through our catalog. There's plenty of movies you've seen. Jump in, take a listen. We certainly appreciate it. Find us anywhere on social media at BOTRCast. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. Andrew, any uh, any closing comments for you? What he said. Oh, thank you, guys. What he <laughs> said. Perfect. Sums it all up. Well, just thank splice you so his, much. Just splice his speech in again. <laughs> over mine um just change the bass a little bit make it sound like andrew yeah it'll be close i'll enough. do some i'll do some voice mod work there yeah, don't perfect. worry well thank you so much guys for being on here uh thank we you really for appreciate having it. us yeah it was great yes. thanks so much for it, was, it was a blast ton of fun we'll yeah come back anytime you let us crash absolutely guys uh dave any any closing thoughts uh nothing in particular if you if you like either of our podcasts best of the rest or the nomads of fantasy uh tell a friend tell a friend get out there and spread the word all of us nerds need to unite absolutely um and we will end on that all right see you guys next time see you. Do the uh, clap on three. We'll do one, two, three, clap. Yes. Not clap on three. One, one two, two, three, three clap. clap. Clap is the four. One, two, three, clap. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right, ready? One, Shit. two. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Making this editing so for me harder than it already <laughs> is. All right, ready? One, two, three.